0: This is Megan
1: FitzMartin and you're listening to Top Five Comics
2: Podcast. Welcome to Top Five Comics Podcast. People talk about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today we have the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Hello there. And I'm a little out of I what do you call it when you sound weird? Out of voice? Out of voice, sure, that's, that's good. Not, that's yeah, not real. That works. That's not real. CBS, you know. That's you. Would be, be me. And I'm a little raspy. I had a lot of talking today, apparently. That's not a... That's a constant problem for me. So I'm a little more raspy than normal. So there's that. Uh, sorry we haven't had a lot of episodes this year. It's been kind of... It's been rocky, because we had a lot of stuff happening with one of the one of the guys that has, has had a baby, and another guy's bought a restaurant, and... I went to WonderCon two weeks ago, so which is a benefit for you and me, sort of. Because I got some interviews from there that's pretty cool. We got some stuff uh, with the voice actors from the Justice League Ruby crossover movie, and some interviews with some of the folks from the uh, Batman Doom that came to Gotham. And then uh, the ep- this episode today, we're going to have some interviews from the True Lies cast, from the TV show True Lies. which if you didn't know there was a show, there's a show. Uh, so... While I was out there doing stuff, that's uh, a lot of what I got done, got recorded. Uh, So we're going to have that stuff for you towards the end of the episode. Um, The book we're going to be going over today is Clayface, One Bad Day, that's not how I say that, Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface, Uh, number one, the one-shot, this is part of the, uh, I guess it's an eight-part series, but it's not, they don't connect, so they're individual. No, they're all individual,
3: yeah, one-shots of the One Bad Day series, which is, I, everything I've read so far, uh, in between all of them, I've read this one and the Bane one. I have not. I have the Two Face one, which you, you actually gave to me for my birthday, and it is uh, sitting on my nightstand. I really need to read it. But everything I've read from this one one bad day is just awesome. I really enjoy it.
2: Yeah, they've been good books, um, as far as as far as series are concerned. They've they've all been great, and it's cool that we got different writers, different artists throughout the series or throughout the books. That's not even the way they say it, because it is a series, but they don't... They just not, don't connect. They just yeah, don't what connect. do you call it? I mean, yeah, they're they are all one-shot books, but each book has a different writer-artist team. And they've all been great. So a bunch of different flavors. Um, the only thing that connects them is the titling and their Batman... Mostly baddies. I mean, Catwoman's kind of a baddie, so...
3: Sure, yeah. It's, it's, it's rogues, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, the folks from the True Lies show we're going to have on here is going to be Omar Benson Miller... Uh, he's, uh, the actor plays the character Gibbs, uh, you would know him from 8 Mile and from, uh, Ballers. Uh, he was also, uh, a voice of Teenage Mutant ninja, ninja Turtles on the, uh, rise of the TMNT movie. He played Raphael.
3: So the second live action the, one? No, the
2: second, uh, cart, the animated series.
3: Oh, the animated series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, From okay.
2: the, from the animated, a couple years ago. That's Rise from
3: the Shadows. I was close. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
2: Similar title. Similar title, Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other fellow we have on there from the show is uh, Steve Howie. Uh, so you know him from Shameless. He plays Kevin. Uh, and he was on Reba. And then he did some a couple episodes of Sons of Anarchy. He's also in that, what it was Daybreakers? No. Night Shift. Night Shift with uh, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Fox. yeah, yeah. Did so, you almost
3: say Jamie Lee Fox? I almost I've, did. That you almost crossed two actors and actors. I was
2: mixing people together. Jamie
3: Lee Fox. I like that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was mixing people together. Then we also have Matt Nix. He's uh, an executive producer and uh, directed one of the episodes and uh, worked in the writer room on the show. So we got all three of those guys. So it's a pretty packed episode of True Lies stuff. So hopefully you don't all hate it. Uh, The show's not bad. Like, I I liked it just fine. If you like the True Lies movie, it's the same concept, just stretched out over uh, a a different length of time. And uh, the lead actress in it is uh, Ginger uh, Gonzalez. You would know her from She-Hulk. Uh, she plays Nikki Ramos. She is She-Hulk's oh, okay. yeah. assistant. Yeah. She's great. Oh, yeah. She's fantastic. She's great. Uh, so she plays Helen, uh, the main lead, and uh, Steve plays uh, Harry, so the Taskers. Right. So these are the same characters, just maybe s- it's a TV interpretation. Sure. So the same characters, but the movies, they don't connect that direction. So
3: Did you tell the folks what episode this is, CBS? This
2: is episode number 199. <laughs>
3: I got your back, buddy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll probably rearrange that. I got your back.
2: So, before we do all that, uh, let's go do a little bit of news. Mr. Brown, what do you got from the news? What's in the news? Yeah.
3: Um, I'm going to start off with a a sad one here. Um, Famous comic book writer Rachel Rachel Pollock, excuse me, um, looks like she passed away yesterday at the age of 77. Uh, she had a really long running, uh, stand in, uh, Doom Patrol. Um, pretty, pretty, um, pretty sad stuff there. So anyways, I, I just thought I'd, I'd
2: throw it out there. Yeah. Throw it out
3: there. Yeah. Yeah. People deserve respect, you know, for especially artists that we care about and, you know, who, you know, work really hard in this industry. And I thought that that was an important one. So, um, yeah. So thoughts and prayers, obviously with her family, um, do you have any news, or is this all on me, sir?
2: I mean, I've got pieces that go along with it. I think you have okay, the okay. best list over there, to be honest. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out from uh, the uh, Disney Star Wars. Oh uh, man,
3: I, there's so much news on that. We could go. We could have a whole episode on that, to that's, be honest. That's true. Yeah, there's a new Star Wars movie in the old time. So the original person, whoever gets the force, then we'll have one in our present time. And then we'll have stuff in the future as well, apparently. Right. And apparently Daisy Ridley's coming back, and, th- and now Thrawn is supposed to show up soon. Like, there's.
2: There's a, that trailer for the new trailer for Ahsoka. Yeah. Has, it was has, cool. has Thrawn in it. Oh, it does have it, Thrawn in yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Oh, I didn't even we notice. We don't see the, we see, we don't see a clear shot of the front, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's got so many characters in it that, at this point, I guess they're not rumors anymore. But we've, we've seen a couple characters from the Rebels cartoon series. Um, in that trailer, there's at least three of them.
3: See, and that's my thing. I've never watched Rebels, so I'm okay. I, I I know of those characters, but I'm not like super fan fanned out about it. So I'm like, okay, I know that's that's cool and stuff. But um, did you notice who's playing Thrawn? Did you happen to read that? I think it's Mads Mickelson.
2: It's Mads Mickelson's brother. Oh, is it? Yes. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, as far as like. The way I understand it, he did the voice on the show, too. So, I oh, mean, really? That's, that's what I've been told. I didn't know that. Now, I don't remember exactly who the voice actor was on that show, because it's been a fair minute since I saw that part. Sure. But, yeah, as far as casting or whatever, at least from the clips in the, the teaser, or the trailer, because it's a full trailer. It's a full trailer, yeah. It looks awesome. And we see Hera, we see Chopper, uh, Sabine. So there's all these characters, that, and they're hallmarks from that.
3: Right, they're, yeah, they're, I know they're from Rebels, yeah.
2: Right. And then the talk of the other, other stuff for the past and the present and the future. And the, apparently the Ray show is supposed to be set for a movie.
3: 15 years, 15 years after uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yep.
2: Supposed yep. to deal with the uh, building of the New Jedi Order. New Jedi Order, go So we'll see what that means. Um, at this point, she's the only one listed as being on the cast. So I guess we'll see if that means anybody else comes back or not. I don't think they could have gone another way
3: without her. Like, yeah. You either had to go with her and continue that story, or, hey, we're starting over, and this is a completely separate thing.
2: Right. Well, I don't necessarily have any problems with that character. I think that character's fine. I don't like necessarily the way they package everything. Sure. Of course, we've talked plenty on lots of episodes about Star Wars stuff, so if you if you guys want to hear more about Star Wars, especially when that stuff is happening, just dial back a few episodes to a couple years ago. And there's plenty of Star Wars stuff. There's plenty of Star Wars yeah. stuff in there about, you know, hates, likes, dislikes. <laughs> There's a lot Hate of is to... a
3: strong word. You know, man. Hate leads to suffering. It
2: does. That <laughs> <the> <laughs> leads to the dark side. To the dark side. The absolute's the dark side. But Yoda says there is no try, which is an absolute. At so.
3: least we're in a room where it's just you and I, and it, we both can agree that <laughs> Ryan Johnson ruined things. Yeah. Finally, yeah, I've waited true. my whole life for this. My mm-hmm. our whole friendship, CBS. I've waited for this moment <laughs> to be like, yes, we could both say that Ryan Johnson's man. Last Jedi was. Terrible.
2: Yeah, not a fan. Me I mean, there are plenty of fun things in there and plenty of cool things in it. And it's not that Ryan Johnson's a terrible filmmaker. No. Because he's not. I mean, Glass Onion and... and yeah.
3: Great film. The, the
2: guy's good. And, like, when it comes to you making things, I just feel like maybe he should make his own things. I agree. And maybe uh, the way this was handled was a backlash on being a big paycheck. Yeah, maybe. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of directors that I wonder on occasions why they're hired to, do, hired to do the things they're doing, and why I get why they take the jobs. Someone comes to you and says, Hey, I want you to make a Batman movie. And you're like, Sure, I'll make Batman. And you're like, I don't like comic books. <laughs> okay. Oh, well. Maybe yeah. when you made your decision, you should have said, Ah, do I need to do this? Or should I just do it as a money grab? Clearly, you do it as a money grab because you want to get the paycheck and you want the accolades and all the things that come along with that. But if you hate it in the first place... Maybe you should figure out a way to change your tune. I mean, I'm not saying that if you were like, let's just say you're lactose intolerant, ice cream tastes great. Sure. It doesn't mean you're going to physically be able to change yourself, but your attitude towards it should change <laughs> simply because it's about to make you a lot of money. Why don't you not? Why don't you try a little harder? That's right. And maybe it's not the right moniker for that, but at the same time, if
3: you were getting paid to eat ice cream, I, 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 I knew where you're going.
2: You, you know, I see, I'm you. trying to line up there. And, Again, I'm a little rough and raspy, so You're sorry gonna... about that, you know, Speaking as a Speaking of trailers. Yes. Blue Beetle. True. Did you like it? You know, I do, but I like that kid a lot. I
3: Okay. I, we've we've talked about this obviously with other people. Mm-hmm. I like Jaime, and that's um kind of my, kind of my biggest um what, what's the word I'm looking for? That's my Blue Beetle. I mean, that's, that, that's what I've been exposed to the most. Right. Is Jaime. Sure. Um, especially in the Injustice games and, and things of that nature. Um, that, that was kind of, and then I, you know, got into New 52, which was Jaime. So that's, was it New? Yeah, that was Jaime. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my Blue Beetle. So I'm okay with that. I mean, I think the Ted Court stuff is awesome and I respect it, but I really like the way that, that trailer looked, first of all. Second of all, I, it does look funny. Um, who's the, who am I thinking of the comedian, the Hispanic fellow? Oh, man, now we're not going to do that.
2: His dad. Uh, yeah.
3: George. Lopez? Lopez, yes. He, hilarious. That looks like a lot of fun to me. It does. This looks like a Shazam um, in a Hispanic family home, and I think it looks great. Right. I'm excited.
2: Well, like, the, the casting from, from the two main leads, at least from what we've seen, like, if you know the kid from Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai yeah. like, he's the main lead kid. I mean, he plays Miguel, which is the first student of Johnny Lawrence in that show. So if you've seen any Cobra Kai, then you've seen him. Uh, Whether you realize it's him or not, I mean, he's a little older now, but not drastically older. And I think his costume looks amazing. There are on-set photos that came out, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And the costume looks great. I'll give you, I'm not, when it comes to my Blue Beetle, Ted Kord's still the guy I'm used to. So if you're a Booster Gold Blue Beetle person, this is not the character that you're expecting. Sure, it's the it's the underling, and as far as stories, it'll be interesting to see how they connect those things. We know Cord Industries is in it. Whether that means we're going to get any Ted or not, don't know. And as far as comic books, I mean, there's been three different Blue Beetles. There's Ted Cord, which was the guy before Jaime, the one that's getting the movie, right? And there's Dan Garrett. Dan Garrett, basically the same as Ted Cord. Neither one of them could communicate with a scarab. The only one that had all the crazy space stuff happen. Is Jaime. Is Jaime. Yeah. And in New 52, we got... Well, it was the after New 52. It was the Rebirth story. Rebirth. That's what I was thinking. Ted, yeah, we got... Yeah. yeah, we had Ted and Jaime together. And so we kind of got to build the two characters off each other. As far as a thing, it looks really cool. I just kind of wonder if Shazam's having all the negative negativity to it that it's had for Shazam 2. I don't know if, what that means for Blue Beetle.
3: Well, the... the- my problem in the, I'll tell you, I, I didn't go see Shazam in theater because my problem is, is once you said you were rebooting the universe, I don't care anymore. I will wait for Shazam to come out on video and I'll watch it. That's fine. But now the rumor is, is that Blue Beetle may in fact be a part of this new DCU because I, they like it that much.
2: I think it's going to be a matter of like how well it does. Of course. Absolutely. So depending on how well it's received, will probably shape whether that's part of the Gunverse or not. And as far as the look, man, I mean, like you said, that trailer looks really good. It
3: does. It looks good.
2: And I think uh as far as a hallmark, he's been Blue Beetle now long enough that, yeah, us older fans may still be lukewarm to him.
3: You mean really old fans?
2: No. be <laughs> Dan Garrett, man. Dan Garrett's the I'm like just calling you old, 60s, man. I'm just calling you 60s. old. 60s. <laughs> but when it comes to the character, he's been... He's been the Blue Beetle now long enough, I think, that uh, it's not that we couldn't get a sweet Ted Cord Booster Gold movie, and they are talking about, at some point, Booster Gold being part of the mix, because he's mentioned in the Game's Gun list.
3: Well, if Booster Gold goes back into time, he may be able to find his Blue Beetle, and that can be their own separate story. Um, I do think that Warner Brothers is... I, I think I thought it in the beginning as kind of a cash grab to have a... Um, Hispanic or Latinx character. And now that I've watched that trailer, I'm like, this is really good. Like, I, I really like it. It, it makes sense. If you want to be inclusive and have, you know, different races as a superhero, why the heck not? That's awesome. Um, and, and again, I like Jaime. I think he's a fun character. So, and I do think it, if you look at the suit, like, like you said about a year ago, when we saw the, the, the pictures, it looked great. Yeah, but I think this moved from again being a streaming show to hey this needs to look fantastic and once it did they said okay, we're going to make this a film because this looks like a film quality thing and it does. It looks 100%, great totally. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. As far as the the coverage from it and everything that I mean just google the trailer folks because if nothing else watch that because it does look like it's going to be fun. It does. And all the stuff in the trailer looks so good. That I can't imagine the rest of the film being bad. And all those pictures, like like the set pictures, they were all very good. They're great. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm fairly excited for it. I mean, I still kinda wish we got some Ted, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. And that's just, you know, again, that's uh digging the dirt, looking for pieces of things that probably aren't gonna be there. But it'll be interesting to see what the movie is. And if it does really well, then yeah, this may very well be the first launching movie of the Gunverse. And we still don't know exactly, like, when it comes to the layout there, apparently Gal Gadot has not actually been fired. So Gal is still, like, supposedly not on the outs. Which, what that means, don't know. Um, And when it comes to Shazam, the double trailer catches in the movie, one could lead to stuff, the other one seemed like it was a dead end, but now we don't really know either way. So I guess we'll see. And as far as Zachary Levi's concerned, I think he does just fine Shazam, and if you like the first movie, the second movie's got the same heart to it. The trailers didn't necessarily sell as a family movie, and it was up against a lot of material coming out at the same time. So, should they wait until John Wick was already gone? Definitely. I mean, it is doing very well now, even in its second, third week. John Wick? Uh, yeah.
3: It's fantastic.
2: Uh, should they wait until Dungeons & Dragons wasn't in theaters? I, You know, that becomes a lot of waiting.
3: Well, but then you had Mario, right? right. I mean, yeah. this was a tough,
2: it's a tough, tough month. It's a tough time. It's a tough month for movies. For movies to come out, competing That show. Mario
3: movie smashed in the is. box office. I haven't seen it yet. It's pretty good. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go Tuesday. I have Tuesday off, so I really want to go see it. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, it's pretty good. It's like all those movies at the same time creates a competition that is uh, pretty stiff. Yeah. So... As far as things are concerned, I'm going to say all the ones I've seen, they're all good. So, Well, you
3: know. and is the, we have the same problem coming up with the Gunverse and, you know, uh, Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a part, is it not? And it goes, well, does it make a billion dollars again? Because if it does, Jason yeah. Moas sells tickets. Jason Wallace sells tickets like it's, you know, his job, but it is. It what, what, Why wouldn't you have him back? So, true. It, I think it's a question of, okay, we're not quite sure where this leads. Does he get to be Lobo and Aquaman? We don't know. I mean, there's a lot of
2: eye paint there, so I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't. <laughs> I, I. The funny thing with the, with the with if Flashpoint's as good as they're saying it is, at the end of the day, if it's as
3: good as Tom Cruise says it is, did you right. hear that
2: story? Oh no, what?
3: Tom Cruise called. Oh man, I'm never going to remember his name. The director of <laughs> it and the Flash, Andrew. It starts with an M. Andy M forgive me, called the director to tell him how good the movie was.
2: That is wild. Tom Cruise! Wow. That's uh, that's impressive. That's a big deal. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, he saw the movie and was like, dude. That's awesome. Man, that's crazy. I thought so. That's uh, Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, it's funny... Andy
3: you... Machete. There sorry, you. sorry, Andy.
2: Man, you know, it's funny. Like When you hear about people seeing movies really like that and when it's celebrity types, it makes sense. So with true lies, to go back to, no, sure, a little bit. I this I've gotten pressed up in the past because I have. I mean, we've done I've done lots of just go look at extra episodes. If this is the first episode for you, just dial back and look a little bit. If if you're a hallmark of the show, or you've been around watching listening to the show for a while, not hallmark, that's not the right long time listener. That's not the right. <laughs> there's got to be a better word. Even if there's not, you're like this guy's an idiot. <laughs> like, no, well, you no. know it happens. I mean, we've done a lot of interviews with a lot of people, but this is the first time I ever got sent a login to a company site that when you got to the videos they were letting you play, had my email embedded in the video on the screen also, which I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's how they keep people from giving these out to people. Oh, wow. Crazy. Because I've gotten other stuff in the past, but it's all this stuff that was like login encrypted, not... Something you would play when you wanted to play,
3: and it would just have a watermark yes. or something like that. Okay, watermark
2: and a, and a, and a login that only lasted for X number of days. Sure. Where these these other ones, I could have watched the videos anytime I wanted, but every one of them was encrypted. But with if you my shared email. them, that's yes. smart. It's brilliant. That's brilliant. But it was the first yeah. time I'd actually seen that, so I thought, man, that's that explains a lot of this. Interesting. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, so that was a that was a different different new experience. That was pretty cool.
3: Uh Speaking of characters who might play two people, yeah, Frank Grillo, who played Crossbones, yeah, yeah, apparently has a role in James Gunn's DCU. That's cool. He's also very disappointed in his role in the MCU.
2: Well, he's quoted did.
3: as saying he was offered a lot more screen time, and he did not get what he wanted, so he's a little bitter, and apparently has uh, switched sides.
2: Wow. Well, as a thing, like, Frank, uh I do like Frank a lot. Like, he did that time travel movie that was really good. He's done plenty of things where he's he's been cameos and lots of things, too. Maybe not cameos, bit parts. Bit parts, yeah. That'd be the right way to describe it. But Frank, I think he's a pretty fun dude. And when it comes to Crossbones, Marvel, at least in the early years of things, tends, tended to bump off villains fairly often. And I don't a know great. if that was a a little willy nilly. I mean, he did get the second, the two appearances in two different movies, but in the, the day screen time wise, he maybe got I don't know at best half an hour. Yeah, I, I, I was mean, just gonna say I just shared re- time.
3: Yeah, it, and it is because he's usually with some other hydra goons. Yeah,
2: yeah, or or fighting whoever he's fighting. The yeah. Falcon, the him and the Falcon scene goes on maybe three minutes, maybe four. I
3: just watched Civil War the other day. I wasn't feeling well, and I was like, "What's gonna make me feel better?" And I was like, "Some Marvel movies." And I watched Civil War, and I was like.
2: Oh man, he totally dies in that. Yeah, yeah, he he he's, he dies. He's well, dead. he he does show back up to die at the hands of Scarlet Witch, but he's all burned up. We don't get to see his face. Yeah. So I mean, it's the dude. Yeah. Or is it the dude? I'm gonna say it's the dude. It's him. It's him. It's him. It. But yeah, he again, his amount of time given for a character that, I mean, he's not an A-list bad guy for Cap, but he's a returnable bad guy for Cap.
3: And in the way that he's built up and put into shots and, oh, he's, you know, our buddy, our buddy, a buddy, and then he, you know, turns and becomes a very, very large weapon of Hydra, he definitely probably should have had more screen time. Or even his own movie where he could have been a baddie.
2: Sure, I would have been fine with that.
3: I bet that's what he was sold to.
2: It's a good possibility. I, I bet mean, that's what he was sold He does get three movie appearances because he shows up initially in the uh, Captain America movie. right? And then he shows up in the... Uh, Oh, the the one with Wanda where she kills him out, and I can't remember which one that even is. Civil War is it Civil War? Yeah, okay? that's one so where the he the other Captain America movie, yes. And then he shows up again in the time travel piece during Endgame. Whenever Cap goes back in time and fights him again in the hel- in the uh, well, doesn't fight him in the elevator. Instead of fighting him, he's like Hell Hydra, and they're like, Oh, he oh, is in that. Okay, you're, you're one of us. And he's like, Let me so, take that
3: suitcase. So Endgame.
2: So Endgame. Yeah. Okay. So he gets the three movie appearances, but even that piece. I don't know if it's new footage or not.
3: No, probably I mean, not.
2: I, it's hard to yeah, say. Yeah, you're
3: lucky if it's 30 minutes at that point. You're, yeah. pro- you're probably pretty Just close. Stacking them
2: all together, I, I would guess it would be very close to that number.
3: Well, apparently yeah. Mr. Uh, Kevin Feige offered him a lot more. So he's mad and is switching sides. So,
2: You know, when it comes to people playing both fields, I mean, there's been a lot of them actually to have. I mean, uh, I can say there's only one guy I know that's played both Superman and Batman, and he played Daredevil. Um, so, as a thing, <laughs> there, there's one.
3: People hate on Daredevil too much. I like that movie.
2: You know, it, it had...
3: I like that movie. He had
2: lots of cool things Maybe in it.
3: Maybe it's just my love for Michael Clark Duncan. I think he's perfect True, for... he's great. Yeah, I think he's perfect for Kingpin.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, he was a very good actor. I like that guy a lot, actually. But yeah, when it comes to, like, playing both sides of the fence or whatever, I it's not, it's not an unheard of thing. And at this point in the game... Because of the unceremonious relinquishing of crossbones, yep. um, what else are you going to have the guy do? Because he's got a very... I mean, he has a very stoic look about him. He does, yeah. Even if you gave him a full beard, I mean, you might be able to get away with him in the background shot, but... He's hyphen his shape and just in general, his presence, his voice too. Yeah, absolutely. He's got very distinct. A very distinct voice. I wouldn't
3: be surprised to see him get the since they're not gonna go with probably Joe Magliano or whatever his name is, a deathstroke role. That that would not surprise me at all. I think sure? he, he'd do fine as Deathstroke.
2: Yeah. So No no, yeah, mercenary to the end, man. That guy's yep. he's great. Um, next piece of news
3: so this is a little more comic book related than I'm into, but um so God's House of Exes, Jonathan Hickman, has a new book coming out.
2: Did you hear about this? I'm not aware of it yet, no. Alright, so, yeah.
3: Judgment Day Artists, oh, I'm sorry. Gods is a series that revolves around cosmic entities, uh, like the Living Tribunal, tri- Living Tribunal and Entity. Oh man, I screwed that whole sentence up. Gods is a series that revolves around cosmic entities like Eternity and the Living Tribunal. Uh, Hickman and Shissy, sh- 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 uh, are telling an ambitious story that seeks to explore the beginnings of the very nature of power and godhood in the Marvel Universe. So, um, basically, especially, essentially, uh, House of X is Jonathan Hickman. Um, his new book has been announced. Apparently, he's been teasing it for, um, about, about the past two or three months. So, he did Act Judgment Day, um, and then, of course, uh, the new, new, new House of X. So, I thought um, that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, he's written I mean, a lot of, Hickman's got a pretty deep history of books with uh, Marvel. I mean, he did a bunch of Fantastic Four, Infinity, um, which led to Secret Invasion. Or no, not Secret Invasion. Oh, man, Civil War. No, that's not right either. Nope. What is the Battle Planet Secret Wars? Secret Wars? Man, that was hard to get to. It's all good. Pfft, my whole brain, bloop. But yeah, as a thing, uh, House and Power of X, probably the most recent big thing. So that's cool. I mean, Hickman's a good writer. He's got a lot of good material in the world. He's got his own moniker. The way books work, so dealing with god characters kind of makes sense.
3: I thought it was cool. Just that those are there's so many entities, entities. Excuse me, in the Marvel universe that are um, bigger than life and bigger than you know our our normal heroes. And having those stories told, I was like, that's cool. That's I would read that.
2: It'll be interesting to see. Like the guy's got a whole handful of books from. Other companies as well, so as far as, like, I mean, Image, I think the last book I saw him do was Decorum. Before that, he had Black Monday Murders. So as far as, like, style, I mean, the guy's got a lot of different things out there in the world. And, yeah, Hallmark-wise, he's a he's a very well-liked writer.
3: Uh, One more before we move into our next piece here. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, Doomsday. Um, so X-Men's returning to Days of Future Past is a four-issue limited series from... Gun- Gunnaheim and Garcia, launching in July 2023, uh, set before the events of Days of Future Past uh, that begin in 1981's Uncanny X-Men 141, um, will show mutant kind struggle to survive the apocalyptic future brought on by the Sentinel program. So uh, essentially, there's a there's a four four issue um, prequel series coming out before Days of Future Past.
2: So it sounds like a time insert, which. Right. They've been doing a handful of those. We did a uh, Wolverine patch as miniseries. They did a Gambit story with him and Young Young Storm. Um, right now we got a uh, Extreme X-Men happening, which uh, is a departure back to the leather outfits in the extreme 90s. Right. Early two- uh, 90s, early 2000s. Uh, so there's a handful of uh, time period books happening. So, okay, cool. That should be uh, neat. At least Days of Future Past is an interesting story. Sp- fit.
3: Yeah, I just, I, th- I thought Days of Future Past is a, you know, good good point. Everyone everyone likes that era, so hopefully he can, they, rather, because it's a joint team, will do a good job of it.
2: Yeah. um, So, I, I think the last thing with uh, to lead into our Clayface, something else we had heard about... The rumor...
3: Right. ...is that Matt Reeves is eyeing Clayface to be the next villain in is next Batman.
2: Do so I think it's cool. I mean, it'd be nice to get a character we haven't seen before.
3: I'm a huge fan of that. I think Batman has a, excuse me, a huge plethora of, you know, um, villains that are in the rogue gallery that don't get utilized enough. It's always usually Joker, Joker, Joker. And don't get me wrong, everybody loves the Joker, but there are so many good villains that uh, we'd love to see. And Clayface just happens to be one of my favorites. So I would love to see that. I think it'd be a little bit more CGI heavy or have to be. Um in a in a in a movie that um really didn't have as much as other than maybe the car ch- car chase you can see quite a bit. Um but not a not a ton of CGI. Um so that'll be interesting if, if that's the way it goes. Um so
2: yeah. Interesting. So yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really cool. If we're gonna pick another character, I like as complete departure. So I mean as far as film's concerned, we haven't seen Clayface in film. And Basil's crazy. Oh, like, yeah.
3: He's, he, he's out of his mind. Um, I just recently played, and I, obviously everyone knows who knows who I am. You know, I like video games. But I just finished um, Gotham Knights. And Clayface in that was my favorite part. It was so cool. Um, just the character, him trying to... And he, and a little bit of it pours into what we're going to the book tonight, but his obsession with being a good actor and I have a vision and, you know, you, you people don't understand. And it's, it's so good. Um, it's, it's just on point with the character. And I can really see that working in Matt Reeves world. Like that would be really cool.
2: Well, it sounds really interesting. So I guess we'll see. I mean, we still have time before a and B, but as far as a thing, I do like that concept. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what really comes out of that. Well after all that I think uh we're going to move into the uh moving the book. Sure. Let's do it. Alright. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. So we're doing the Batman One Bad Day, Clayface. Uh this is written by uh Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig. Uh and the uh art is by Zermonico. Haven't we done a book before by Zermonico? We have.
3: Which one was? It?
2: I my brain does not remember.
3: Oh man, I'm that's gonna bug me. Somebody go back and find out what book that was because it was good.
2: <laughs> I I know I i like I know that name. Well, it's very uh, I mean it's very specific. Yeah, yeah, very specific. It stands Absolutely. out, yeah, very well. As far as other I mean names in the industry, I'm gonna find out. I got to look it up. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. All right, so we first open up. Uh, while well, we start on a Basically, blank page that is a piece of a script. It's got, you know, the hallmark of a coil on the outside edge, and the paper itself has got a texture. It's, it's a page of a script, and it opens up and it says, uh, insert, or in, it's INT, which is, a uh, means interior shot for a script. It says, Clay's apartment, day. And then the paragraph beneath it says, white walls and gray carpet. Diffuse sunlight through slanted shades. This place could be an asylum. Which is a hallmark for later.
3: (laughs) Uh, Before we do get too far into this, there are these pages that are um, specifically supposed to be written like a script or a screenplay, depending on how how you're looking at it. So um, while we run through it, and and some of these, if you can kind of put it into your mind, that uh, are... are, um, Man, exposition, uh,
2: exposition, exposition or, or ex, 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 inserts,
3: inserts, sure, are are written to be almost as like a play or a, or a film. So, uh, could be an asylum, but it isn't. Um, from there, we pan out and we see a home. Um, it's a home, um, and we hear a voice coming from the bathroom. It says, "Wonderful to meet you. I studied at Juilliard for three years." Then Wayne Conservatory for two. And you kind of get the sense that these word bubbles have something to do with Clayface because they are a mess. Um, I've uh, featured player uh, in several uh, repertory com- companies, most of them Gotham. He goes on to basically run down his his resume of actor. Um, from there we can see Clayface um, in the bath, or at least as a liquid form. Uh, he says, "I'm new to Los Angeles, but I don't think I'll ever leave." Uh, my name is Basil Carlo, and from there we get a full page of um, clayface, and you can see he's kind of transforming himself into something or someone. He says, "And I'm here for the audition," and we get a shot of him in the mirror as kind of a uh, almost a no-faced person, um, but he's he's still obviously Clay. Um, and then we see his face change to a young man he says, Hi, I'm Clay. Can I take your order?
2: And like in in the breakdown with all the uh, resume, one of the scenes is the shot of a book not a book. A shot of a picture that's been cut and pasted together to make a face. So like a cut out set of eyes, a cut out set of eyebrows, a cut out mouth. Mm-hmm. So somebody is taking strips out of magazines or Adam. Oh I'm
3: glad you I didn't even know I didn't even notice that. Yeah. He's taken like basically the perfect person here.
2: He's built himself his own picture book of himself. Absolutely. And when he finally forms, that's the face we get. But it's been selected from like eyes from somebody else, a mouth from somebody else. Like he knows... cut up a,
3: a fashion magazine yes, or something. Exactly. A model magazine. Hundred percent. Um you don't believe me you don't believe me of course of course this is a a, a huge exposition here that that we're going to it takes this kind of takes over a little bit of time um so interior exterior sunset chateau day of course you don't believe me genie there uh there's no genie in the sides um so he's he's at a, he, we can see basil now he's kind of working as a waitress and he's making his way um in the world and meeting people um from there, we see that he, there's a famous director sitting at a table, Yep. Um, and he comes up to the guy or the director, um, and the this this director is just a complete jerk to him. I mean, hundred percent, just tells him it's all about money and um, so on and so forth. He says, uh, uh, "Garfield Logan um, is this guy's name," and he says, "I mean, the Gray Ghost, Basil. Excuse me saying this. I mean, the Gray Ghost, just there." Um, asking me, for me, for my opinion on the specials. So this guy's, you know, playing into, you know, Basil and making him feel special as a waiter. Um, from there, again, he's met his friend Jeannie, and they're talking about... Um, and, excuse me, is it Jeannie or Kate? Where am I?
2: Who's so this is Jeannie?
3: Jeannie. Um, oh, sorry.
2: So we, we want to learn, as we... Okay, where we're going through that, we see Basil trying to deal with, well, being a waiter and making the right connections... We learn about these two other people he works with, and she is a screenwriter, which we learn a little bit later as we go on. Or She's trying to be a screenwriter. correct? And the other guy working with him is like the uh, other actor guy in the group. Correct. And Basil clearly with more experience, and this other guy kind of like a, oh, maybe I'll get a job, maybe I won't type. And they're all trying to, I don't know, they're, they're talking about how exciting it is to talk to these famous people, which I can kind of understand a little bit sometimes. And other times, not so much because they're just normal people. So right. it depends on who it is you're dealing with. But yeah, the whole time it's going on, it's like... Look, Basil is kind of like... I can't believe that guy. Yeah, and it, it goes over, like you said, it goes over a lot of different stuff fairly quickly. It's a
3: couple periods of time, obviously.
2: Well, it goes through the entire day. Right. So like, from the morning shift to the night shift... So, the, them getting off work.
3: Man, it's been so long since I've worked a double, I don't remember what that's like. So, that's, maybe that's why I didn't get it. <laughs> um, from there, we meet um, his other friend, which I don't know if it says his name yet. I don't think it does here. Anyways, um, so we're talking to Jeannie about um, failure and how they're making their way as, you know, waiter and waitress in, you know, Los Angeles and how they've met these people um and how you know she's writing a screenplay and um he should read it um and then fun fact him and this other gentleman who again i don't think they've said his name yet um are going to read for the the same audition right yes from there we see basil get in the car um with this gentleman he's i don't even know why my agent submitted me um the scene's supposed to be heavy i'm not really an actor i'm a comedian and Basil says, um, you know what they want. You can feel all of this. You just have to really feel the script. Um, and he says, what if I can't do that? You know, I'm a comedian. What What do I do? And he says, then you lie. From there, we jump to the audition. Um, and it says, whenever you're ready. He says, you don't believe me. Of course you don't. Hey, honestly, Jeannie, I don't blame you. Oh, that's why it's not Jeannie. Her name's Kat. Jeannie's the, the person in the story he's reading. I forgot. Um, I hate to admit it, but you were right um i've been a terrible monster he goes through this you know um audition and um they they yell stop he goes i'm sorry was something wrong and uh, they say no not at all um uh, what you're bringing to the role you said you're from gotham he said i was or i am i was i feel i can feel it tragically soaked because it was a painful time in my life but i was hoping to grow past it so admirable and brave um the the uh, Lady who's running the audition says, I want you to see it again from the top, but can you bring it a little more pep into it? And he says, Pep. Um, She goes, You know, I mean, it's a love story. I kind of want to feel that love. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Boris or uh, Basil says, uh, I put love into everything like this and lost everything because of love. It's a heartbreak of the character. And the lady who's leading to things like, you know, maybe something a little more quirky. And he's like, Quirky, he was a serial killer. He killed people. You know, that's tragic. You know, so they get into this argument back and forth about, you know, good or bad doesn't matter. This man's taken lives. There's blood on his hands and he knows he must atone. And finally she stops him and says, I think we're actually good here. We'll be in touch. Um, from there we cut to Basil and again his friend, whose name I cannot find out. Uh, that bad, huh? And uh, Basil says, their story's trash. You know, they're talking about. Couple wonderful narratives and turning into a low common denominator fodder, um, spoon feeding another life lesson down the gullets of the masses. The flyover states must feed, which I thought was a pretty good line. He says, and then uh, his his buddy, who he's he's reading it to, says, "Oh, hey, unknown number." Um, And Basil continues to go on about how he's mad about the script and you know they're 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 downplaying it. This is a perfect part for me, and I have a vision. And this guy, this kid, his friend, goes, Hey, Clay? He says, "Uh, I got the part.
2: Which is, like, Basil clearly identifies with the character in the movie he's reading for, or the show he's reading for. Because when he talks about him being a monster and a killer, he's really talking about himself. So there's, like, so much duality in this book as it goes on where he is seeing himself in the part, and because he himself is so tragic... He can't. He can't do the parts the way they want because of his own do, his own existence being as close to this character as it as it is, which is why it's also perfect for him because you know he's kill people. And uh, yeah, so the buddy's like, well, "I got the part." He's like, "Um," and at Clayface continues to go on, and he says, "Clay, are you okay?" He's like, "I have a vision." He's like. I, yeah, I I got the part. And about that point, we see him walk around talking about, oh, I never really meant to do that. I just, it kind of, I bring a brightness to it, you know? I listened to you, I lied, I, I, I did the, you know, I did the thing where, where I was more funny, and that's what they wanted. They wanted to be lighter. So everything that the lady asked Clayface to do, mm-hmm. this guy just did because of stuff he told him in the car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that doesn't go so well. And he's like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I really gotta thank you. And he turns around and he's like, Clay? And at that point, he looks where um, Basil was sitting, and he sees himself. And he's like, what? That that look? He's And then Basil comes down from the car, and he says, it's heartbreaking. It, it's because the heartbreak of the character. And uh, he... Envelops him in clayface goo, and next thing we see is his body stuck in the trunk, and uh, devoid of eyes, and his flesh is all messed up. He's messed up. It's like he's been, well, it's like he's been sucked dry of life. It's pretty crazy. And we see him close the hatch, and he gets in the car, and he's like, drives, drives away, takes the body with him, and then we get another dialogue cut for the script, and it says. Uh, s- smash cut to and we jump to him um, walking through town as the other guy. And now he's coming to the lot to go to work. So time jumps a little around in the book because between the murder and where we're at now he's at his first day of work. That's right. And we see that uh, he's all together and as he's talking to the security guard he wipes a, a drip from his brow which we know is clay clayface goo. And it looks just like water drop but it's Because he's, you know, made of stuff. Made of goo. Right. And uh, he tells him, he he talks to the security guard for a second, and then he goes, and here he is in the back lot. And it's all fantastical. We see all these stage, stage 27, stage 28, and there's all these people running around, all this stuff happening. And then we come to find out what story they are doing.
3: The Killing Joke, Scene 31, Take 1, Common Mark. And action. He's uh, sitting there holding a original Red Hood mask, um, and he plays out this scene, the scene that he has been repeating to himself over and over and over again. I'm a monster. I'm a monster. I've killed people because I've lost you. He's speaking to the character Genie now. Um, um, this was just one bad day. And he goes to the scene, and then you hear the director yell, Cut! That was pretty good, right? And the director goes, you were fine. He goes, I... And he says, the director says, Corey, we got to talk Corey. Hey, there we go. We found out his name, Corey. Yeah. Uh, feels like we're suddenly on different pages. Where's that lightness you brought to it in uh, the uh, audition, the optimism? He says, it's just the truth of the character. I have seen the real vision. Um, and the director is like, we don't have time for a biography right now, kid. This man is a killer, but he's also a comedian. So just do me a favor and make it relatable. That doesn't make Basil very happy. Um, so he continues to kind of yell at him and on set in front of all these people. Um, not everyone knows what it's like to be a struggling comedian forced into the life uh, of crime, but everyone understands what it's like to be, and the director's like, oh, man, this is just too much for me to handle. Um, he goes, you're going to be one of those actors, fine. Everyone take 10, i got to call a man about a horse. And you can see everyone on set kind of lower their eyes, like, "Oh, well, yeah, we've got somebody's the,
2: getting fired." The actress and then the casting lady, and they all are very disappointed in uh, in Basil's take on things.
3: Basil's pretend to be who he's pretending
2: to be. Well, he, yeah, the whole thing with Corey being different as he was—that's what they wanted, right? And right. Basil's continue to try to sell him his same vision. It's just so funny because it's. He's playing the part of the Joker, and it's like the way Corey looks is very Joker-like. Sure. Yeah, prior to the make makeup and paint, sure, or chemicals. However, you want to feel about it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a—it's uh, just crazy how uh how the book is selling so many things together. Can
3: you name the other time Clayface has played Joker? CBS.
2: Oh man, was it during Hush? No, because i Jason Todd. You know, I don't know if I can.
3: It is in... Arkham... Asylum.
2: Oh, okay. The video game. Yeah, yeah.
3: Anyways. Um, from there, we move to... Corey slash Basil's trailer. Um, and you can see he's distraught. And when he becomes distraught, he... Let's say, loses face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says... You're the horse, Basil. And uh, we see someone banging on his trailer as his, you know, face is melting. And the moment that he says, come in, his face kind of sucks back in and he goes back to normal Corey. Um, from there we have the, is this the casting director? Or the, yeah, Yeah. She comes in and just gives him an absolute thrashing. Talking about how, you know, you're arguing every time with this director. Not only are you fired, but I could be fired. And then I could, you know, have my reputation tarnished. And, you know, this is ridiculous. He even cut the day short. The union guys are going home. Um, listen, if you ever work here again, I hope you get um, how the sets are supposed to function. There's a hierarchy here in order to the authority, an um, order of the authority here. And you just don't seem to understand your place. And we see Basil's eyes go to brown. And we see the trailer of his, the door of his trailer rather, um, being open and Clay just engulfing this woman. And then the trailer door shuts. And the trailer door opens again and we have this woman. Basil is now three people.
2: And uh, what he says as he steps out is, no, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. And the hallmark to the way he talks when he's in Clayface form, the way the balloons are all messy. It's so cool. It's really cool. It's a very dynamic shape because it has tentacles and tendrils and little vines connected to each other when he's Clayface talking. So it's a whole hallmark of the way his voice is supposed to sound. It's really cool.
3: Um, From there, we move to our next montage. It says, Begin Montage. And we have uh, again. We're 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 going from a you know a screenplay here or a play, and it just says I have a real vision. And the montage here is him just devouring people.
2: It's everyone from the set. Yep. The the actress playing Jenny, the guy with the red hair, who I assume must have just been a a proper set person because we don't see him before, and where he's at is definitely at the sandwich scrape. And uh, he sucks him to death, and then we we move on from him to the to the other lady, and then from there, eventually, we go through a handful of people to get to the director.
3: End montage.
2: It's absolutely wild because a couple of them he drains like the life out of them, sucks them dry, and another dude he impales. It's
3: it's like yeah, he's draining the life force out of it. it reminds me of like. Shang Tsung in your Mortal Kombat or something. It's just like oh yeah, it's It's wild. It's great.
2: Like it's it's really crazy. And like the last, so before he gets the director, like there's a point where he's telling him, "You don't understand. You're one of those directors." And I hate those directors. And as he's talking to him, he sees his body start transforming to eventually. There's this crazy scene where the head that he's formed as opens up to become the Clayface head, and it's like straight up. The thing worthy. Um Kurt it's Russell, the thing. Nightmare it. fuel it's for sure. So crazy. It's bad. So crazy.
3: Um, so in that scene, he's you know, seeing the director, and we see his face kind of split, and he's half someone on the set and half clayface, and he kind of says, you know, uh, I hate you, Mr. Director. I was hoping you'd be last. And we see him devour um the director, and then we see him kind of almost having a problem because there's multiple bodies now that he is obviously encased or is that that is in him. And they're almost trying to fight their way out. It, it looks like, um, from there he becomes a director and we hear his phone ring and, uh, we hear Max Terry come up to my place. Will you? I got some bad news. Um, now we have Basil as the director saying uh, at this high-up executive's um, place, Alex. He says, this is insane. This is artistic malpractice. You can't cancel the movie. I won't let you. And the Alex says, are you done? He goes, hardly. You don't get to just shut my movie off. Um, I'm recasting the whole thing. It's an excellent time to do that. I've got a real vision here. And Alex says, come on. Um, why are you doing this? This movie's canceled, Max. Um, we'll get you something else. You like Ghost Great. we We've got a whole universe kicking up. we got the zombie guy running point. He'll be very supportive. He goes, no, no, no. He, it, it's my art. It's my art. And it's going to last all of time. It's my big break. I'm going to be... And the guy goes, Max, buddy, like, this, this guy's a famous director already. So Basil's kind of let some of the character out of the, the, the bag here. Um, he goes, this should be more of a listening session for you, Max. Um, from there we move to, uh, again, he's, you know, just basically telling him these movies are garbage and, um, they're not a good investment. And he's just beating down this film that, uh, Basil really, really wanted, wanted to be in. He goes, your big break. It's your money, my profit. It's my call. Um, it's my money, my profit, and my call. Um, I sadly wasn't in charge when this got developed, so there's no franchise potential baked into your little love story. And long-term, North Star, we're doing it for the fans. And from there we see Basil go again at this executive. This time there's... Um, man, it's gruesome. It's
2: blood and... we um, Wait, when transforms, he smashes the dude in the wall and just basically obliterates him. Yeah, he...
3: he, he I, I I don't know if he necessarily absorbs him, but, man, it's, it's bad. He ends up sitting at his desk and he's, you know, looking at all the awards and we just see this massive, massive amount of clay um, sitting there and he's looking at the photos um, on the table and we see um, this big shot's what appears to be either girlfriends or daughter, we're not quite sure yet, and we get this. This is probably my favorite panel in the book. Is just Clayface with that classic crooked smile. It's perfect.
2: From there, we cut this hallway, and we wind up seeing the now him as the big league director guy wandering the executive. around. Executive. And he's decided to throw himself a party. Producer. That's what he is. He's a producer. He's the producer. He tells his assistant girl that, ah, yeah, we're going to throw this giant party, and money is no expense. And yeah, make sure to you tip yourself. You know, uh, take take ten percent of that because what if do all the jerk others oh, take total? I mean, sorry, I'm, take three. Yes, take three. <laughs> it doesn't depend how much money it is. Take ten percent off the top total as a tip because of what a jerk I've been. I got excited I'm so excited to read the jerk part that I couldn't, right? yeah. I couldn't focus. It's a good one. He, he's like, oh yeah, make sure we invite the VIPs too. So he basically sends her on this mission to have this giant party. Uh, at all the expense of our uh, our producer man,
3: uh, but there are really only two VIPs that I want there,
2: right? It so was make sure two people are on the guest list, and it's our two friends from the restaurant.
3: That's right.
2: He's like they're the only two that matter, and so then we cut that to another uh, another casting or another script direction, which tells you interior. Like, that the shot is the exterior studio head mansion at night, and uh, we join Kate. And uh, our other co-worker, whose name can't seem to figure out or remember...
3: I don't know if we have. Yeah.
2: You know, I know we know it, I don't remember it. Yeah. And the two of them walking up outside, and we see they're outside this, you know, play show mansion, and the two of them are both like, I'm not really sure if we're supposed to be here. This How are people to survive these parties in the hills anyway? And uh, so the two of them, and they're both dressed nice or whatever, but they're both like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And they get greeted at the door by a, a manservant servant type, and he lets them know, oh, you're supposed to be there. Uh, you know, this is the party. This is where we're supposed to be. And we see that there's tons of people here. And both of them are just like, man, this is crazy. Well, uh, let's start with the best alcohol. And uh, they both head inside, and from there they see Clay. So Basil, in his uh, original blonde-haired, character made-up Clay. face yep. cl- character, and he's like, buddies! And they're like, hey, dude, you're here, too? He's like, oh, of course I am. I mean, after all, I'm the one who got you guys invited. And so he comes over, palling around with him, buddy style, and eventually that leads to him talking to Kate upstairs, outside of a balcony, overlooking these two sumo wrestlers. Because there's all kinds of things happening. It's, it's crazy. some wild
3: stuff happening at this party.
2: As yeah, this it's a the building itself because we saw the building outside earlier, and it's like a three four level mansion. A building. It's crazy.
3: It's something out of Godfather. Like, it's yes. its a big, yeah, it looks like a mafioso house or something.
2: Well, as the two of were talking, eventually Kate's like, well, I hope Corey gets here okay. Because she's, you know, of course, at this point no one knows that Corey's dead except for us and Clayface. She goes, it's going to rain. Traffic's going to be a nightmare. And uh, he's like, oh, does it look like it's going to rain?
3: Everybody knows it doesn't rain in L.A.,
2: Right, right. And so they go and talk a little more about stuff, and she's like, is "This," she, and eventually as they're talking, she looks at him and she goes, is this real or is this a movie? And he's like, excuse me? She goes, well, for weeks, you've been an increasingly interesting co-worker. And at a normal job, and now here you are at all this. So she's like, this isn't the kind of world for us people. And he's silent for a second and he's like, oh, look, You know, this is what. But so many. Should be these. Do I have some unexpected friends? Sure. Yes, it's true. But I've but I've rather these friends, Kate. They're going to be able to help us. So he's basically an idea he wants to bring her up to. I think probably the truth of the matter is, yeah, he's had a crush on her. Probably
3: he's definitely got crushing on her, and her interest seems to be in Corey. It definitely reflects that way, yes. It does. From there, they're having this conversation, and um, uh, she says, I haven't earned this. I haven't earned, um, you know, any of this. You know, you're being so kind, and, um, you know, see how, you know, hard you work. And from there, we flash to a picture of Corey, and she says, me, I haven't even, you know, finished my script, and, you know, so on and so forth. And then we see the next panel is Corey's dead corpse so these things are kind of flashing in in basil's eyes um and we see basil kind of unwinding half of his face um as he's stressed about her talking about um you know these these these, these this hard time she's having um she goes and it sounds like home it sounds like everything i live i've left behind um like pulling me back like you know expects me to fail because everybody comes to la is not from la so obviously she's talking about you know being back home and how you know she's ready to quit and Basil says no cat I can't have us quit um, now how about I get us some incredibly elaborate drinks um, from there we see the assistant yes um, Mr Clay says yes dear have you seen Mr Silverman which is the executive and he goes sorry who she goes and he goes oh Harry Silverman I was going to ask you the same thing I can't find him um, and. From there, we have a, another gentleman who, uh, who comes up from the side and it says, I wouldn't hold your breath. And we see him and it says, As far as I can tell, I flew across the country to meet a man who isn't even attending his own party. And we see Basil, pretending to be Clay, say, You're, you're Bruce Wayne. Wow! What are you? I mean, Gotham's on the other side of the country. And Bruce says, My family built this city, son. Built the city, son. Doesn't mean I can't leave. I'm not here for pleasure, actually. Well, not exclusively. I'm representing the Gotham Commerce Authority. After all, if there's are uh, telling his story, uh, they've got a film on, on location. And from there we see The Grey Ghost, I believe, which yep. is
2: the film they were talking the about. Giant poster The Grey Ghost, which is uh, an old-timey-style Gotham hero hero legend. Uh, and, and Bruce like, yeah, he's, he talks about they're going to film on location. The Gray Ghost has always kind of been a hero of mine, actually, which I mean, he's Batman, so mm. you know, it's one of those things. He's a folk hero slash boogeyman. I, I love the old serials. Uh, I assume the new version would be a bit more violent, but that's just with the times. And of course, this is the movie that when they, whenever the executive is talking to the director, he's like, "How have do have you feel universe. about the Gray Ghost? Yeah, whole we have universe, universe coming." Up, yep. coming. And that's you know after that Basil of course killed him. So this is the project that his movie was being dumped for, and uh, of course that doesn't make him very happy, and it's increasingly becoming stressful for him.
3: Not only stressful, but we see him kind of lose face here again. I'm going to use that term a lot, lose face, because it's funny. Yeah. Uh, anyways, he says, yeah, that's that that's great. Um, and Bruce says, hell, if they keep it up, the sky's the limit. Batman the movie, can you imagine? Which I thought was. It's awesome. funny. Yeah. It is funny. Um, from there we have, <laughs> again, a, a piece of our uh, screenplay here. It says, Flashback. Batman chases Clayface to the dark alleys of Gotham. Clayface melts, desperate to escape. And we see, again, Basil losing face here. Mr. Wayne, if you'll excuse me, he turns away, and his face is just very, very, you know, starting to, you know, just droop a little bit. And we see another flashback. Again, this is just text. Clayface struggles to maintain his form as Batman's frozen fists crack into his chest. The pain is palpable. And from there, we see Basil walking away and we see Bruce saying, you alright kid? And our, we see Basil's face as clay just starting to melt yeah, it's off the bone.
2: Super gross. It's
3: really bad looking. And it says in his text bubble of clay, I'll be fine. Thank you. Enjoy the party. Everything's fine. We see him unlock a door, walk into a piece of the uh, executive's or producer's home, and he's walking and he's changing from person to person to person. He says, you're going to be one of those actors. You're an inspiration. You're not, you're exactly what you are, trash, and he changes into an actual, the actual Clayface and says, I'm not trash. I'm not trash. I'm a star. Um, From there, we have our um, terrace balcony, wherever we are. and uh, we see Clay kind of enter to his two friends, Cat, and again, the gentleman, we don't know whose name is. He says, there you are, um, done hobnobbing with LA's elite. So sorry I got caught up with something. It's cool, man. I get it. I mean, I have partied at clubs. You know, uh, he again talks about all these drinks he's had and, you know, some wild nights. Because nothing comes close to this. Um, Basil slash Clay says, uh, what you said man, about being astray, uh, but finding your people. It's been a long time since there was anything waiting for me backstage, or since I've wanted, or even since I've wanted to be there with the two, uh, but ever since I've been here, i wanted to be with the two of you, the three of us. All right, three of us, right? Kat says, um, and Corey. And Basil goes, yeah, sure. Seriously, where is he? Um, he'd be losing his mind if he was here right now. And Basil says, there's something I need to tell you. And from there, we have our text again. Um, if he had heard it, it would be, or if he had a heart, it'd be pounding in his chest. And Basil says, I'm going to need both of you to agree to something um, for me. I'm going to need, it's not going to freak you out. And then again, text, um, if he had skin, it'd be prickled with the cold sweat. My name isn't Clay, it's Carlo, Basil Carlo. And uh, our friend says, sounds like a vampire vegetable. I'd have changed it too. And Kat says, Carlo? And he says, yeah. And we see his hand starting to melt a little bit. And uh, our friend says, uh, well, what am I missing? And Kat says, he's that, I know that name, Clayface. That's Clayface's name. He goes, oh, you're really famous. Famous, kind of. Didn't you kill people? Where's Corey? Not here. I don't know where's Corey and Cat just keeps screaming at him. Where's Corey? Please, Clay, where's Corey? Where's Corey? Um and Clay says, "Why am I not enough for you? Why is this not enough for you? Why is everything I've done for you not enough?" And we see him again lose face and Clay starts flying.
2: Wait, well, each he, he, as he's changing, he changes between him and Corey both. Correct. So for a second there he's got Corey's face and Clay's face. Well, and there's, then, there's so many
3: faces now to keep track of this. Yeah, he's... right.
2: Trying to hold what she's supposed to be. Yeah, that's the problem. Absolutely. And he's freaking out, which is also crazy. And then he changes again and he becomes the uh, executive producer guy. And he leans over the ledge trying to tell everyone, oh, look, everybody, is the party's happening. Uh, but all of this must come to an end. I'm sorry, it's a really, really everyone's got to go home. And we saw, like, for two seconds, as he looked over the ledge before he uh, changed to tell everyone to leave, the bat symbol reflected in the pool down below. Oh, over. I didn't catch that. So he sees that too, and that's when he finally is like, oh, this has got to be it. This has got to be it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he uh changes, tells everyone they have to leave, and about that time we see the end of a broken bottle of stabbing through his chest. And it's uh, it's our other guy from the restaurant whose name again escapes We're us. We're going to call him Bill. Sure. Bill. And he's like, It's clayface, everybody, clayface. And uh he cuts through him, he's like, No and of course at that point the party sees that he's melting and clay facing and everyone starts freaking out. And then we get a couple more shots of uh I don't know description from the script, I guess. Uh we hear it first and we hear the sirens, the red and blue lights, and he's sort of changes back into to a uh, clay and he, he's like, no, 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 you don't understand, you don't understand, everything's everything's going to be all right. And he looks and he sees uh, Kate, and Kate has called the cops.
3: And she's covered in clay. Oh, yeah. Her makeup is um, falling. When he was making the announcement as the executive, we saw this big kind of almost cloud of clay behind him. Right. So I think it kind of is showing that he's losing control oh, of upset. the people he has in him. So um, he says, you know, I'm everyone, I'm everyone, I'm... Well, why wouldn't they let me get the role? And we see him just changing and changing and changing. Suddenly the skies get dark, and we see it starting to rain, which is never good for Clay. No. And he says, it's my turn, and he dives off this thing and onto the where the pool was, and he's full Clayface now, the, you know, full embodiment with the, you know, big, big um, being, and he just says, no, no, and he sees the sky is, is, is raining, raining, raining. And we hear him say no. And then from there, I love this shot. He turns to a house nearby or what seems to be one of, one of, you know, parts of the mansion. And we just see a silhouette of Batman with his little ears sitting there. And Basil starts running. He says, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. This isn't it. This isn't your city. No clouds. No dark night. This is my city. And we see him smash through the Hollywood sign. Um, and again, it's pouring rain, and is you know jumping and just trying to escape. Um, why did why did you have to bring the rain here? He's blaming Batman for bringing the rain. We see this huge storm just coming through, and it's pouring rain. As he's walking away, he's leaving trails of of clay everywhere. It's not what you think, Batman. Everyone smiles. Everyone smiles. Their their they're knives serrated and. He's essentially just losing it here. There's a lot of dialogue here, um, but he's so, you know, upset. Um, No community, just stepping stones, little fish gobbling up, everything smaller. He's talking about Hollywood and how people use each other, and it it deserves me. It deserves me. And from there, we see him looking, and he stops, and we just see him next to Batman, and Batman says, nine people, Basil. Nine people in one day. Nothing else matters.
2: Which turns to fight, because that's how it happens. And Clayface is like, shut up! And he engulfs Batman and Clay and he's, he's like, no, Basil. I've been silent for too long. And the two of them sort of fight for a minute and Batman gets a few more comments in. He's like, you gotta listen to the voice inside you. You're wrong. And, uh, Basil continues to pound away at Batman. He's like, I'm everyone. I'm everyone, which is what he was saying when he's on top of the house transforming. And he, he says, I'm everyone one more time. And then Batman says, which means you're no one. And Basil stops. And he goes, Corey Jameson, Beatrice Heist. So he goes through the names of everyone that died.
3: Oh, man, we should have gone to this page for that. But, okay.
2: doesn't, but, his, but the guy from the restaurant didn't die. Oh, that's Bob true. Didn't yep, that's Bob didn't die. Bob lived. That's not his name. Bill. Bill.
3: Bill. That's right, Bill.
2: <laughs> and uh, as he's trans, as he's saying the name, is shooting batarangs through him and breaking off pieces of Basil as he tries to run. To eventually, he's left down to being one small piece. His very evil, dead-like his hand that has Basil's face on the backside of it, trying to run away still. And uh eventually, Batman's broken off enough pieces that he's able to. Uh, Suck him into a bat containing device, which is very Ghostbuster-like. It is very Ghostbuster-like. It That's is. the first thing I thought of too. And uh then it has a couple more pieces of direction. It says fade. He sucks up Basil, and it says two. And we see Basil trapped inside the bat ghost device for Clayface, and it says black at the bottom. I love that. Yeah, it's pretty. I it's, love that. It's so well laid out. It's, it's really so cool. well laid out.
3: Fade to black.
2: Like the cinematography for this book, or the direction for this book, is so well put together. It
3: could be a film. I mean, easily. It,
2: th- I think that's
3: what's... So- we'll get into that later. Go on. I'm sorry.
2: So we cut from there to another scene, which is a scene of a city, and we see a couple more buildings. We see the Hollywood sign with a missing O, which is what he ran through. And there's some more direction. It says Clay's apartment, night, white walls, gray carpet, and we see a man sitting at a bar, and we see inside of an actual house and a cat. It says diffused light coming through the shades. So the exact same stuff that was written on the very first page of the book. And uh, we have a guy talking. He says, uh, well, back to work. And inside we see the, the, the guy who says, well, back to work, is Bob, or Bill. Sorry, Bill. Bill. And uh, we see Kate sitting in the restaurant, and she's typing her script, which is the same lines we read earlier.
3: Diffuse sunlight through the slats. This place could be an asylum.
2: And we turn to see the over, the over what looks to be the... Twilight time of Gotham City, because everything's very—I don't know—it's got the rain going on, and it's it's Gotham again, and the rain falls down. We get some more dialogue about how things have changed and how he doesn't. It's it's more script dialogue from the movie.
3: You skipped our, our Arkham Asylum page here,
2: Well, that's the city shot I was talking about.
3: Oh, it's specifically Arkham Asylum, right?
2: We see the outside gate. Got it. And then uh, inside, it, we the dialogue's going on is not being produced by any particular. V- shape or voice, but a lot of it's script dialogue again. Um, the same script that Basil's been reading and rehearsing the entire time. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't blame you. I, I, I have to, I hate to admit it. It's the same. And again, we get to the point where he's like, I've been a monster. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as it rings through the halls, we see that these halls we've been going through, of course, are the asylum. And Eventually, that leads us to one room that's by itself very desolate and, uh, we see a face on the ground, and it's Basil's face, his real face, in a puddle of mud, with tendrils coming out from it, forming all these other people that are supposed to be playing the other parts of the movie, and even Corey's there. It's it's really like heartbreaking, like the whole scenario is just, it's really rough. It's rough,
3: yeah. It's bleak. We see his face on the floor, and he's you know still repeating his lines, and again, it, this obviously comes up in almost every. You know, one of these, or at least everyone I've read so far, and he says, "This, this, I had my chance. I had my chance. This was just one bad day. Um, that still, it's still. I'm working on. It, I'm working on it. Do you have any arguments? Uh, I'm not. I'm not precious. I, I don't want to be that kind of. Any notes? Any notes at all? Any notes at all? Please, please, please. I'm open to any feedback. And again, just like you know, CBS said, his face is around all these people, nine people that he, you know, has killed and. He's still trying to kind of gain their approval for this, this part. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's almost,
2: uh, hard, to, hard to look at. Yeah. Hard to read. Well, it's rough. And like that last, cause he's got their full bodies built. All those little tendrils coming out of his face have built clay bodies of those people all standing around while he's trying to talk to them still. But none of them is talking back. And they're still judging him. And they're still judging him. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is, it's a dark, dark ending, but it's, uh, it's great. It's so perfect for the character.
3: It's so perfect for the character. And I, I know a lot of it is hard. It's, it's, it is hard for us to read because a lot of it is banter about Hollywood and the backstabbing and moving from your home and, you know, coming there and making it big. Like, you know, Cat talks about, I just want to fail and give up and go home. And she doesn't say where home is, but no one, no one from LA is from LA. You know, they're. They're all, you know, from someplace else, and it fits the character so well. And this award on the back is almost Oscar, Oscar-looking, but it looks like it's uh, made out of clay. Yeah, this, this, fantastic. It's perfect for the character, and it ends in such a bleak way that I, I, I love it. I love that darkness. I think it's important.
2: It's fantastic, and the duality throughout the book. I mean, there's a lot of pieces we abridged to it because there's a there's a lot of dialogue in it. There's a lot of writing. And it all reads very, very well. Uh so, better than
3: we read it, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah, yeah.
2: No, that's uh that is a hundred percent true. Um and and the art's great. Like the visuals are fantastic. I mean, this like I said, the scenes where you're splitting apart and even the scenes with all the different faces, I mean, there's it's very and if you never saw the thing, I'm talking about the first one, Kurt Russell. Sure.
3: There That's the only one that matters. The imagery
2: in here that is so crazy, man. It's
3: Wow. And if you're a fan of that, the animated series, uh, I, I, which I, I, obviously I think everybody is, but I'm a big fan of, and that's where my first exposure to Clayface was, and then I dove into the comics more and more and learned more. Um, the, 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 um, dynamic of him changing from person to person and from thing to thing, and even his bulky Clayface self is just so true to, I feel like I said that animated series, it's so on point to that. Um, it's really well done. Um, but who, I'm sorry, our artist was, how did you say the name? Z?
2: I believe Zermonica. Zermonica
3: really has outdone themselves with this book because it's incredible, um, incredible art. Even the, down to the text bubbles, just like you and I said, it, I think it really, really shows just some awesome, awesome, um, thought process.
2: Well, all of these books in this, this, uh, sort of series have been fantastic. Uh this, it, this one's got a very great hallmark to it. And even the cover's, like, really cool. Is Clayface making a Clay Batman, and he's just got that crazy grin on top, smiling down at it, and, you know, clearly destroy the Bat because he's running from him.
3: I, I didn't even expect Batman to show up, to be honest with you. And then he does, and I was like, this, this book would have been okay even if he didn't show up. That was awesome. It was so cool. Um, I still think that shot, and it took me a minute because I skipped it, or I... Was reading through it too fast. Just the silhouette of him sitting on this, you know, building of Batman, and just these ears poking out was so cool. And you see the panic in in Clayface's um, face. It's so neat. Um, Yeah, yeah. It. it, Please, please check this out because it's great. Yeah, it's really
2: good. Uh, What do you give a score for that book? Five. 100%. 100%.
3: 100%. 100%. I, the art's, again, I, I can't talk enough about it. By the way, CBS is the one who made me read this. He's like, you have to read this, um, knowing that I'm a big Batman fan. But I came in, what was it, about two weeks ago now? And he's like, yeah. please, for the love of God, read this book. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, the art's fantastic. The story's wonderful. Again, we've talked about it a couple of times here. Oh, sorry. It is very cinematic. Um, it is. It reads like um, a script. And that is. And then the the fade to black at the end um yeah there's nothing i don't have a a flaw in this book it's a five for me
2: it is really really good i would follow you with that i don't feel like a give five is really ever but it is uh if you're not a batman fan then it won't be your cup of tea that's true but if you're a fan just in general of stories with I i don't know man it 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 sits differently than other Bat books, because it's not not a Batman book. It's not. It's a Clayface book. So if you like books about bad guys, then you'll like it.
3: Well, and this one bad day series is definitely about that. Oh, yeah. I just read the Bane one before I came over here. Um, Well, I read it last night, sorry. Um, And yeah, same thing. I mean, yes, Batman ties into it always somehow, but it is about your villains that you want to read about, which is so cool. So fascinating.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd also give it a five. It's it's a real good read and it's uh it, for the taste of the darkness inside the character, they do a very good job, and the duality across the board with it is so well put together. Uh very impressed with it. Um I mean, like you said, all these books have had their own hallmark to things, and it's uh I would say any of them are worth worth a read for sure. This one shines a little brighter, I think, than... Just in general. I mean, none of them... God, man, when I think about that, then I'm like, oh, The one is really good, too. They're all very good. Again, I haven't read Catwoman yet, but I expect exactly the same.
3: They are a little longer. Um, keep that in mind when you pick these up. They are just a tad bit longer, which is why we only did one book tonight. Right. Um, but they are worth every, every every second of your time.
2: Definitely fantastic.
3: Hey, fives. High fives. Hey,
2: All right, we'll see. So after that, we're going to run some True Lies stuff. And if you guys haven't seen the show or haven't bothered to check out the show or don't know what True Lies even is... Go
3: watch the movie.
2: I mean, the movie is fantastic, and it is a hallmark of the 80s and 90s. Uh, So As far as the series, Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic in it. Arnold Schwarzenegger is fantastic in it. Uh, It's a great...
3: Roseanne's husband.
2: I mean, Tom. Tom, that's right. As far as movie, it is a hallmark of that generation and era, and it, it is great. The show, I feel like they've done a pretty good job with. Um, so far, I think we're halfway through the season, from what I remember, and uh, they talk about in the interviews about how it was filming the pilot, and then almost two years later getting to the actual show. Oh, wow. So the pilot happened, and then it sat for quite a while before they actually got to filming the show. So the pilot is good, too, but the hallmark of the show doesn't start running until the second episode, when they were all back together and time with each other again. So they gel better as the show goes on than what the pilot gives you. Simply because the pilot was done as like a movie and a teaser and then it's... That's what set. pilots do, yeah. That's exactly what they are. So, um, the first one we'll go and run for you, um, is gonna be Omar, um, Vincent Miller. Uh, so he plays the part of Gibbs. Uh, this guy is fantastic. I mean, it, he's, he, he does, he's done a lot of cameos and a lot of stuff. Actually, all these, well, two of them have, um, but yeah, it, as far as the thing, like he was on uh, CSI Miami for I think like three seasons. I think the guy's great. He's really fun to listen to. So
3: he's great, Nate Mile. No, he's really yeah, good, yeah, Nate is yeah, Fantastic,
2: he's good character. So we're gonna run that for you, and we'll be back in just a second.
0: Don't get a little WonderCon action. I'm interested to see what the floor is all about. I've never been to WonderCon. not been to cool a okay. little I went to Comic Con. Well, yeah. you know, I do one of the voices of the teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah, for yeah. a few years. Yeah, and so that was a, a an awesome experience. Yeah. Those, uh, shit. That was an awesome Which prefer more the the, the voiceover work or actually a Vans for you? Man, it's tough to call. For convenience' sake, I prefer the voiceover work because you don't have to wait for anybody else to get dressed, or you don't have to wait for the camera to set up or the lights and nothing. You show up and get busy. Yeah. For what it does for me to perform it's hard to beat the demands of on-camera acting because you never know what you might have to pull out of your toolbox and what I've learned is is the more full and dynamic life that I can live in real life the better prepared I am for any role that comes about. you know so how the plot's going big on the series and how did you sort of figure out how your character
2: to be did you watch the old movies do you sort of watch other action movies?
0: You know, I didn't... I'm always cautious. I'm only, this is only the second remake I've ever done. I did a, a remake of a film called Shall We Dance, The uh, and did an American version of it. And I didn't watch that film before we filmed that. I can remember True Lies like I just walked out of the theater, though. I mean, the film was huge. It was a huge part of my teenage years and all Song of Dad, so I didn't have to go far to remember what it was. Um, but for me... The prep was about trying to really understand how we were going to create our own thing out of something that is so well-known. Because that's the challenge. Because if you if you go make a film or a show based on something that everybody knows, right, uh, that's hard. You know, is it like, is it too soon? Or blah, blah, blah.
2: Expectations live up
0: to The expectations, right. yeah. This is a real thing. Especially for the big guy, because it, those big shoes to fill. You know what I mean? Right. And... uh so it's, so for me, I wanted to be there to support, but to bring the flavor of our own stuff. You know what I mean? And you see what they did, what CBS did is fantastic in the way that the casting is diverse. Ginger is an Asian woman uh, that plays Helen. I'm a black man playing Gib. You know what I mean? Uh, Erica is of Colombian descent that plays Maria. Uh, Steve, obviously, is not Austrian and so then we have a lot of you know the, the i i like the update and i hope we can you know make our whole thing and make it good while living up to the to the phone and okay.
3: awesome
2: We get a lot of cameos on the show yeah you've seen a few of them in the first few episodes do you have a favorite cameo of the group so far honestly
0: i really loved working with keith david that's cool i mean i've watched keith david my whole life as a, uh, watching him on films and you know television films and listening to his voice and voiceover commercials and all sorts of stuff right. damn near made me want to join the Air Force with his voiceovers <laughs> but uh, thank God I don't fit in the cockpit it's too small <laughs> but um, he was great and he played my father on the show and you'll see that in a couple episodes and what it does is, is it really mines the. it, it gave me as a performer a solid backstory forgive and how you end up in this space of an individual who's a tech savvy kid that's interested in who can tolerate being in a van quarterbacking a mission with high stakes and blah 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 and blah 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 so it's i'm really i'm really excited for that i'm really excited for i'm really excited to see how it turns out i'm with you guys i haven't seen the episodes before you guys see them they sent them but i haven't watched them so you know i like watching the show with my mom on Wednesdays. so it is it is what it is as in my number one fan regardless of what it is. Did you have a favorite episode that you actually worked on outside of just cameos like a favorite episode that you were excited for us to probably see? That one was pretty good. Uh, it was different. It was pretty good. But honestly I'm really excited to see the uh really excited to see the finale. The finale is something totally different from the rest of the show and that could work or could not work. <laughs> And I, and, I'm, I, and that makes me excited. You know, I think that when you tune into a show like this, when you're on a, a broad network, everybody kind of knows what they're tuning in for and what they're hoping to get, and there's an exchange going on between the performers knowing what we're supposed to deliver and the audience knowing what they want to see. Good guys versus bad guys, and you know. This is what you're tuning in for on CBS. And I don't think that's a bad thing. In the finale we kind of throw the formula up against the wall and reorder it. And I think that if it came off as cool as it was when we were doing it, it could be a weird, trippy, challenging thing. And if not, then people are going to be like, ah, that's your life's value. It's dumb. <laughs> so I'm, I'm banking on the, you know, on the former. We'll see. You enjoy the balance of, you know, the it's at action Series, but also very lighthearted at the same time. To me, that's a sweet spot. I love that. I don't know if you had more to that question because I got you off. I'm sorry. But that's the sweet spot. I don't, you know, I think that if you're going to do a full action thing, I would be interested in doing more action. So I would get in better shape to do some action. We're having a fun time with action. You know, I don't, I don't think the show, I don't ever feel like you should feel like we're going to lose as the team. Omega. We may run into some um, obstacles, things are gonna be difficult. In theory, you're rooting for us to win and hopefully we win. You know, this is what you get with the procedural and this is one episode, you get the beginning, middle and end and keep it moving. To me, the real sweet spot and the beauty of the show is when we explore the idiosyncrasies of real life within this spy world, Because it's high stakes when you got sewage coming out of your kitchen sink. You know, you're going to see down the road, Gib ends up trying to, after he talks all crazy in the first couple episodes about not having a relationship, he ends up goo goo gaga eyed over a woman. And so he's, you're going to see that. How does he balance that? And when you're having relationship problems, how do you balance that within making sure that you quarterback a mission that doesn't make for a massive war or catastrophe? So to me, that's the the fun and the sweet spot of the show, more so than, say, some of your more serious action shows on television, you know? Action comedy is a unique thing that's hard, you know, it's difficult to do, and I think that's why they got Matt, is because he's done it before with Burn notice.
2: What, so, as a person, I'm very excited about your play because it's not necessarily a role we see often.
0: When you first got that script description, when they pitched it to you, outside it were you? What did you bring to it to personalize it and make it your You know, I'm glad you brought that up because for me, I could go out and do artsy fair, and it would be satisfying to me as a performer. There was a period before I even started doing television where all I did was films, and there was a lot of independent films in there, different stuff. Then I did CSI Miami, and it opened my eyes to the global importance of the representation of people of color in affirming roles. Now, we're not a monolith, so I don't think that it has to be only positively affirming roles. For me, I know I shine when I'm making us as people of color and black people in particular, be morally sound and look good on television. I hate that it's a thing, but it is still a thing. I, I hate that it's that way. But it matters, because there are people around the world who don't know black people, or they don't know people of color that are they're foreign to them more so than just their indigenous state. And if the only representation you see is of the robbers, or the bad guy, or on the news in some sort of tawdry way, that's detrimental to society. So for me, in all honesty, I would have been on CSI Miami for 30 years because he, the character Walter was a scientist. He was in a, a, a law enforcement figure that was not corrupt. These things are important. It's a small contribution on some level, but it's a large contribution on another level. So I've had multiple people write me letters and come up to me when they see me in person and say that they took a forensic science class or they got into criminal justice or criminal justice reform based on watching a television show that means a lot to me so so when I see that and I see what this role is it makes me lean towards doing it cool part about this is is not only a good guy because he is practicing constant deception but it's a constant deception for a greater good in theory all right I love it <laughs> I thank you guys for watching the show I appreciate it
2: are there differences between your character now than Walter? I mean, yeah. all that time at CSI, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are the differences?
0: Walter much younger, and I didn't have gray hair. So there's <laughs> it, a, a big difference in Wizard, that. Wizard, man. Yeah, exactly. Wizard. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that, you know, they're both in law enforcement on different levels. Walter's in law enforcement on a county level. was the PD. It was a city level. It was a county level, which has a different implication than... Gib running missions around the world that may be in these kind of cia off-site you know kind of uh uh secret clandestine kind of places sure so i think that there there's a difference there i think that the setup is different because walter was much more of an ancillary player as opposed to gib being more of a central player you know he's more of a central player within the, the team and what you'll see as the episodes continue he also takes on more of a supervisor role of, of giving the missions and quarterbacking the missions and determining who does what.
2: So he's a different kind of carry in the show.
0: Yeah, it's a much different okay. kind of carry in the show. Much heavier carry. And I think that for us on a production level, as the episodes continue, you'll see better quality episodes. Just for production's sake of proximity and chemistry. When we shot the pilot, it was a year before we started the series. Oh, wow. That's a year separate from all the people that you see on screen and that's from everybody from you kind the I see that difference between episode I, 1 and 2. I think so. I think so and I think that you know with the episode that just aired in number 4 with Matthew Lillard, you start to see the show come into focus in a better way. You know, in a more of a in a more of a way that's more like, oh, okay, this is what they're going for. It's lighter. I think me personally, I prefer the show when it leans into the lightness of it. You know what I mean? Maybe the heaviness of relationships and all of that entails a, a full person. But the lightness of we're making a TV show. Right? Right. Let's, let's not, you know, we are in fact not curing cancer. So let's, let's keep, it fun, let's keep it. it fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a way for you to escape after your your long week, your long day. You know? And that's what we're going for.
1: With Sir Alfred Munters who were...
0: Well, it says, they're over. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just freestyling now. They've done no, that's okay. Thank you all. Thanks, thanks for watching. Thank you for coming to this. No problem.
2: Right on. Well, I and I want to make sure to thank everybody that, that came out and did the uh, did the press junket stuff at WonderCon and so I want to Thank Omar for hanging out. And he hung out and took pictures and we chit chatted a little more after that. And got to talk about a couple other things and. Uh, asked him about Ballers, and he said, well, you know, the big man's really busy. Um, so there's supposedly still talk of doing more of that show, if that's a show that you liked. Um, but, the, again, the, the Rock is a busy guy in Hollywood now.
3: You know what he's busy not doing?
2: I do. I know. Black it's, Adam. It's 100% true. So, uh, yeah, but as a thing, he says that there, there's still future talk of more of that as well, so there's another show he's part of. Ballers is a good show. yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and the next one we'll run is, uh, from Steve Howie. Uh, Steve plays the lead, lead in the show. He's ter- he's Harry Tasker, so it's on sports part. Uh, again, a fun guy. Uh, as far as uh, other shows, he's also one that's been on a lot of things. And, uh, very humble guy, funny guy. Um, he was actually making fun of his outfit. Which is funny because we come back to The Rock, man. I just not thought about that. Here in just a second, you'll hear it. When it opens up, we he sat down in one of the women in our interview group. Comment on his outfit, and uh, that's where the interview starts. Is talking about his outfit. It's actually a perfect setup. Man, it always goes back to The Rock right now. Uh-huh. It's so bad. Anyway, so bad. <laughs> we'll run. It just shouldn't always.
3: <laughs> You're right. It shouldn't. it shouldn't always. It
2: shouldn't always, yep. Um, yeah, we're going to run that for you. This again is Steve Howie, and uh, we're talking True Lies, the TV series.
4: With the fabulous and
1: fly. I like you know what I look like, though. I look like Tom Cruise when he did that one interview. I look like I look like Dwayne Johnson wore the chain and the fanny pack. Oh. I look like Tom Cruise when he was like, remember that on the bro? I put this on and it was too late because I, I bought it and I was like, yeah, I need a. I need like what what these called like a mock turtleneck kind of thing. And then I put it on, and I'm like, I look like I look like the Rock with the fanny pack and the chain. I look like a meme right now.
0: Killing kill it though. Is this is?
1: Do I do this? You no, do you? you just let's good. That's yeah. uh, I know. I was gonna wear it, but so I have a question. So,
0: True Lies. Yeah, everyone knows who. Yeah, you're playing a very high character. Please tell, yeah. me. tell us the, the difference about <laughs> yours and what you're bringing to this. This. Uh, sure look it's it
1: was bittersweet yeah. when i found out because anthony hemingway who's a is an amazing producer director he said I'm, I'm doing this job i need you should come on and do it and i go what is it and he says they're making the tv version of true Rise. i go the movie and he said yeah because you got to do it and i go as who Gib? and he said no harry the main guy i go the schwarzenegger character. I was like, you're tripping. Like, are you serious? Like, what? And then when I agreed all I thought about doing this. I wanted to do the, the role where you shoot the gun, where you punch the guy, where you kick the guy, and you, you, you win against the bad guys, you kiss the girl, you have the romance, you have the danger, you have the action, you have the stunts. I wanted to do that and then I got it and it was like but I didn't want to do that <laughs> I didn't want to do like you know what I mean like because I'm not an Austrian bodybuilder I'm not a mega huge superstar uh, film legend so to fill those shoes was really intimidating I'm not gonna even lie it was really scary because you're kind of set up to fail right because they're gonna compare people are gonna compare it soon. And so my goal was just like, once I found out who the cast was, and once I got to work with them, I was like, oh, we have our own thing. We have something cool here. We have something that's t- just different. So to have James Cameron uh, tip his hat to this project, to have uh, Jamie Lee Curtis you know, give some shout-outs, to have Tom Arnold as a guest star, on the show, it was a dream come true, you know, because I saw True Lies in the theater. I loved the movie, you know, and I told Tom Arnold, I said, you know, to have your best performance be in a multi-million dollar blockbuster film is pretty cool because he stole the film as far as I'm concerned, you know. Getting prepared for a blow. how did you sort of get the workout done as well as just getting your mindset? You know, you've always been in good, fit, good shape, of course. I've been I've been lucky. I played I played sports in high school and college, so that that helped. I have muscle memory. I purposely didn't buff up too much because I didn't want it to be like I was, you know, trying to be him. Uh, so I wanted him. I, I wanted uh, Harry to be a little slimmer, just like a different version. Uh, the hair was kind of an homage because he, you know what I mean, like there was a certain style about it Uh, but yeah, I didn't he has to be in in, in great physical shape because of what he does he he breaches buildings through the ceiling he chases bad guys, he fights but at the same time I didn't want him to be like swole swole because I didn't I was worried people were going to go oh He's trying to be him. Caricature. Sure. He's trying to be him, and I was like, it's going to be too much work to have people kind of look at it. And also, I didn't want it. I was like, if we're doing the TV version of True Lives, let it be different. Obviously, Helen's different. We have a, you know an a, a Asian female playing Helen. Uh, I'm totally different. I'm not an Austrian bodybuilder, uh, you know? Uh, so yeah, just not as buff, a little bit taller.
2: I mean, you got the hype for sure, I mean, yeah. Just because you're not Austrian doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, no, I was, but we were trying to do our own thing. We were trying to create something that has, that already exists, but have a feed new. So the painting exists. There it is. Now we're recreating that painting, but we have different
0: artists this Great. time. As you, you talk about the character Holland, played by Ginger, you guys have like really cool chemistry. Great chemistry. Was that something that just happened? It, happened?
1: it happened in the test. So when we were doing the uh, testing for Howlands, I, I read all these actresses and they were amazing. But then Ginger walked in, all five foot nothing over, her, a hundred of nothing, she's one of the biggest. Omar 6 6'6", I'm 6'4", Erica is, Hernandez is 5'10", Mike O'Gorman is six, one. We are a big cast. And then there's ginger and she is one of the biggest of all of us her energy and her presence is so contagious high tide raises all ships so when i met her at the, at the test she just started improvising. i was like oh okay we're going there and so i just tried to keep up and then she made me giggle in the thing i was like we were doing a scene and i was like oh that's so good and then she made me laugh every day I working with her if it was Harry and Helen for that day I knew I was gonna be laughing so that was a that was a blessing once we figured found out that the cast was who we are and who we were we're all tight we're all very close and we wanted to support each other we we had each other's back I'm not you know I came into this being number one on the call sheet I had I've had a lot of amazing mentors so I know and I wasn't gonna be an asshole well (laughs) I wasn't gonna be a purpose I was gonna be an asshole that was gonna like at least you know I'm coming with good graces I'm not trying to be an asshole I'm not trying to I go out of my way not to like fuck people over I go out of my way to help people this was my um, uh, uh, my effort for this to be trickled down because if number one is a jerk, everybody's miserable. The the crew's miserable, the cast has to do the thing. So I was like, I didn't that was not gonna happen. And it made it was so easy because we had O or- because we had ginger. And so that was like such an easy thing. I was like, oh thank you so much. People that I care about so I didn't have to fake it. Like oh, okay, yeah, I love
0: being here. This is
1: so nice. Nah. Yeah. Um, William H. Macy was an amazing mentor Reba was an amazing mentor First to to be there, last to leave Um, I had amazing number ones I haven't had a lot of uh, experiences Where I had to be like God, I gotta deal with this, you know what I mean?
2: Omar mentioned that there was a almost a year between
3: the uh, the pilot episode. How did you keep your head in the right mindset to play
2: Harry for a um, year?
1: You don't. I I, I, I didn't. The, the energy comes back once you when, once we get everybody together. Uh, each character, each actor playing these characters, is their own pillar. Gib is his own pillar. Helen is her own pillar. And then we have two new pillars in um, Luther and Maria. But for me, playing Harry, once I got around them, it was all back into it, it was all back into it. and we were dealing with other stuff. We were dealing with like this crazy seven day schedule, which was insane. I was dealing with like not only is uh, memorizing lines reading the scripts trying to find the story trying to find the character trying to find the nuance trying to find the humor trying to find the real espionage attitude trying to find the spy face these are all you know what i mean these were all hard and on top of that doing the stunts i was like just trying to not uh freak out because it was not this stuff I don't know I don't know if I want to be an actor anymore I think (laughs) I don't know it's just is it worth it really at the end of the day I broke my finger I I pulled my quadricep Uh, on shameless I just had to get naked and like make you know make out with a beautiful woman like you know what I mean like I didn't know going to a lazy boy into a full-on like marathon sprint you're just like wait what happened what am I I want to go lay down you know what I mean? That but this was this was so much fun. This is careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Because you, you, I always wanted to do this and I feel like we're doing like eighties, nineties action comedy. Like I'm doing Miami Vice. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing Yeah, I've got to wear the thing and I'm walking and I got to do the face and like shoot the guy, punch and you know, and then a crack a joke. So dreams
0: do come true. How much um you talk about, you know, the action. How much weapons and physical training is involved when doing this? this, is, well, how this often?
1: well, this is why Anthony wanted me, because he already knew, because he was a director on Shameless for a bunch of different episodes. He's a big producer. He's the best. I was a competition rifle pistol shooter. So, for a few years. So, I already knew how to handle firearms. I knew about how dangerous they are and how much respect they need. They're one of the fastest appreciating skill sets if you're not doing it all the time you're bad at it. Um, I trained in Muay Thai, I trained in boxing so I you know I was already in that world uh, I got to work with some amazing uh, stunt people from Day Shift 8711 Entertainment who did all the John Wick so that so and I wanted to do that because I am a physical person you know what I mean I'm not afraid to put hands on uh, I can defend myself I can throw most men you know what I mean so I want to do uh, let's put it in on camera man what a what a shock of how hard it is to do that choreography to make it look good and then to do it again also throwing a punch is completely different than throwing a punch on camera I had no idea so after doing it over and over again um, I, I learned all the, this this new trade. It's a it's a trade, and so my respect to the stunt people, stunt coordinators, stunt actors. They put their body through so much to make it look good. Because I would look at the feet, I go, man, I just, I just, I just beat the shit out of those dudes so bad right now. And then you look back on it, and I go, why do I look like a newborn baby gazelle? Why am I in slow motion? I'm awkward looking. It's terrible. And it's the, the choreograph, it's a dance to make it look cool. And those guys, you know, they know how to do that, to throw a punch and then to pull it back. And I go, why does pulling it back make it look cool? You just throw a punch. And then sure enough, you throw a punch, it doesn't look cool. And you throw a punch and you throw it, pull it back and it's like, that looks so much better. <laughs> why? It's just, I it's the motion of the thing on camera, whatever it is. But that was, that was another fun part. Wow so I knew a little bit before I knew I know a lot more now but now it's to hone that and to let the stunt guys do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys appreciate Thank you Thank you. Thank you appreciate you.
2: And again, just like before, you want thank Steve. Again, I, these, both these guys hung out and took pictures and chit-chatted with people, and that was really cool. Uh, they were both, both pretty down-to-earth uh, for being, you know, celebrity-type Hollywood people. So that was really cool. Um, uh, so the last interview we have from the uh, press junket for True Lies uh, at WonderCon 2023 is uh, with Matt Nix. He's the executive producer... Um, he did direct at least one of the episodes. I think actually he did two, but uh, there was one that, that in particular he, that he did directing on, and worked in the writer's room, and he talked about that a little bit, and about developing the show. Uh, so it's interesting stuff. Um, anyway, so we're going to run that. This is uh, Matt Nix, the executive producer.
1: All the episodes How was it, taking it from the
0: uh, tea, the movie, and then conceptualizing it into a TPC.
4: Totally smooth and very easy. No, um, <laughs>
0: the uh,
4: no. I mean, it was it was interesting. Like when I they asked me about doing it, I was like, sure, of course. You know, like, you're not going to be like, no, I don't want to do three lives. Um, but then I was like, wait a second, this is a two and a half hour movie. Like two and a half hours. All right. Um. So, yeah, it was really kind of looking at the movie and thinking, um, okay, what are the elements of this that will carry on in a TV show? Like, what are the elements that you would see week to week? And and really focusing mostly on those, right? So, for example, in the movie, it's great the way, you know, the, the sort of like... Uh, You know, Helen's in love with... uh, Or, you know, falling for a a salesman who is claiming to be a spy and stuff like that. Like, that's super funny. You're not going to do that every week. Like, you can't do that every week. So it's sort of like, okay, let's focus on... It's a husband and wife, and, you know, she doesn't know. And then the other thing was... um, The big thing for me was thinking about... uh, why is Helen's character so ready for this world? Because in the movie, of course, by the end, you get the sense that she's gonna be, a, she's now a spy a year later, right? But what is she bringing to that, right? Like, what is, what? why is she good at it? They don't really have to answer the question in True Lies, right, in the, in the movie. They, it's just sort of like, yeah, what's she good at? Well, in the movie, I guess picking up phones? Like, that's all she does at the end. Um, but in the, in the show, it was much more important to be like, okay, uh, when she does this, it's going to turn out. She's an athlete. She's very good at fighting. She can drive fast. She, um, you know, She's a linguist. She speaks all these languages. She will be very valuable to the spy agency... At the point where she becomes a spy that also led to another big part of the show that was less a part of the movie which was this idea that yeah she was this person so when she met Harry she instinctively had that reaction like yeah we're peas in a pod like we belong together like you're an exciting dude and I'm an exciting person and like we're both we're similar only to realize over the course of 17 years that somehow she was wrong—that he's just a salesman—that this is—and so that idea that Helen was right, but she didn't, but she thought she was wrong, and then realizes by the end of the show, oh, by the end of the pilot, oh yes, I was right all along. Yeah, he's sort of a jerk for lying to me for 17 years, but it's reassuring in the sense that we do belong together after all, and so that becomes the foundation for things going. Forward.
0: One of the, the the changes that I picked up about the the series versus the movie was that you don't wait to get Helen into into the, the journey with like the action. What we'll, what we'll went into that decision to not make us wait for that, and just to kind of open the show with the two of them on a mission together? To open the show, uh,
4: I Life. mean, to to, open, to 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 do it in in episode one yeah, as exactly. opposed to yeah. Yeah. To be honest, it was a big debate, um, and. You can agree with this or not. Like, this, this was my take on it. Go on. Um, I really explored what would it have meant to keep Helen in the dark for multiple episodes. And there were people that really wanted to do that, right? My issue was... Um, it's fine to see Harry lie to his wife once, right? But if we're in the third episode and they're in another car chase, right... And she's going. Why are we being chased? And Harry's saying, "I don't know. It's the cops. You know what I mean, or whatever." Again, the other concern I had was, if it's going to be exciting, she has to be in physical danger. And if she's in, and when I think about like my wife, my family, if my wife's in physical danger, and I'm more concerned with keeping her in the dark than I am with saving her life, I'm a dick. Like I, you can't do that, right? And so my so even though there was some you know i acknowledge there was some comedic potential to keeping her in the dark for longer i felt like it was going to hurt harry's character a lot my other big concern though was that's a different show the helen's in the dark show and at some point helen's going to find out and whatever episode she finds out the next episode is a whole new show and so I also said to them, I, you know, when we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, okay, what if we, what if we reveal it in the sixth episode and everybody loved the Helens in the Dark show and now we're doing a different show called Helen Knows, right? Uh, what if they hate the Helens in the Dark show and we're like, just hang on to episode seven because it's turning into a different show call it Helen Knows. I was like, let me just do the one show. It'll succeed or fail. If it fails, you can find somebody else and you can do the Helens in the Dark show and maybe there's another way to do it. Good sense. Good oh, cool. sense.
2: How do you balance that with the kids, because it's kids in the dark, and is that going to stick around forever? What's going to happen if that changes?
4: Well, isn't that an interesting question? Uh, I mean, let me put it this way, uh, through the first few episodes, they're very cavalier about like, I won an award, we're going off to this conference, whatever, right? Um, Eventually, you know, you'll see episode... I mean, this next episode is an episode where, you know, the kids are involved and they realize, like, oh, wow, keeping the secret from the kids is, like, ooh, this is going to be hard, right? And then, you know, as the season goes on, uh, at a certain point, the kids are going to be like, you guys are gone a lot. And it starts causing problems in the family that would be caused if suddenly the parents were like gone all the time and the kids were stuck home microwaving dinner again and that kind of thing and so um, it's obviously a thing Um, we just decided um, to play it you know like two parents who think it's a good idea to keep their kids in the dark and you know um, and it's going to turn out to be maybe not such a good idea (laughs) if that makes sense Was it it challenging to
1: uh, take all these kind of really mundane situations that a couple goes through, like keeping things
4: from each other, uh, communication, and interweaving them with with action sequences or missions that kind of explore those things? Uh, I I say this in the strongest possible terms. It is unbelievably difficult. um, Because the thing that we ran into as you're breaking the stories is, like, you know, a lot, of, a lot of shows you watch, they've got like an A story and a B story where it's like, okay, we're doing the A story and that's like the crime of the week or whatever. And then there's a B story where we talk about our feelings or we talk about like whatever's going on. The problem in True Lies, if you think about the movie, there's not like a mission and then they stop and talk about their marriage and then they go back to the mission the mission is the marriage is the mission is the marriage. Like, it's the, whole, it's the same thing. And so, and we played with the idea of like, okay, well, let's, we'll do something where like, they talk about work-life issues and then there's also a mission or what. The problem is, you don't want to see that. Like, they're trying to stop a bomb from blowing up Berlin, right? Stop talking about your stupid relationship issue. You know, like, stop the bomb, and then you can talk about your your relationship issue. A million people are going to die if you don't get on the stick right now, right? And so the task became really finding episodes where accomplishing the mission demanded that they had to deal with the relationship issue, or they had to deal with friendship, or they had to deal with, you know, whatever it is. So, like, the, the, the episode with Matt Lillard, the fourth episode was, you know, started with the idea of like, okay, what if Helen had a work husband? Right? Okay, so what if her work husband was a psychopath assassin and they needed to accomplish this goal? Right? Okay, well, now you have to deal with all of the issues of being jealous of your wife's work husband in order to accomplish the goal. Right? As opposed to those being two separate things. But it was super hard Like, we, we... I can't tell you how many stories we ended up killing because it would be like someone would come in and they'd be like, I've got this great episode. It's about a nuclear bomb on a train and then there's a thing that happens and it's like, okay, cool, but what's the like thing that they're doing? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we're not doing that episode <laughs> or somebody else would come along and be like, okay, I've got this great episode. It's like Harry and Helen are having communication issues and then maybe there's the radios are out so there's communication issues. Okay, but like how are they talking if the radios are out? Okay, forget it. We won't do that one either. So,
0: <laughs> so you, um, outside of this, this, uh, this IP, you've worked on the Tanner and Pooch uh, uh, TV series. Is there any other, like, 90s film or 80s film that you think you would want to work on that could work as a television series? Um,
4: yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny, though, like... Um, I don't know. I always wanted to do aliens or alien, but like, uh, uh, Noah Hawley's got an Emmy. So, oh well. Um, the, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there's always stuff. It's, it's really like kind of what, um, what's the, what's the opportunity? Like, what are you allowed to do with it? You know, I mean, uh, well, this is, you'll see how this is an answer to your question, even though it's not a direct answer to your question, like, when I did um, The Gifted for Fox, um, I love doing that show, it was super exciting, but I will say, I couldn't really talk about this then, but I will say now, like, so imagine someone coming to you and being like, hey, do you want to do the X-Men show? And you're like, yes, yes, I do! And you're like, okay. You can never say the word Magneto. Okay. But, like, but but Charles Xavier, never, ever. Okay. But, like, can someone say, like, what about Wolverine? Shut up. Right? Okay, wait a second. So I can't even say their names? But, like, you let me have Polaris, who's Magneto's daughter, on the show, uh she can't say her own father's name no why did you let me have her we didn't know that she was Magneto's <laughs> daughter <laughs> okay um okay then so i guess like the x-men are all gone and they can i say the word x-men yes but not a lot i'm like okay so it it totally becomes this like be careful what you wish for though yeah. Where, you know, I mean, The Gifted was really like, The Gifted was for WonderCon or for Comic-Con. Like, why? Because they were the people that, had, that knew the characters we were using. It's like, yeah, you know, who knows who Thunderbird was? Like, well, uh, if you watched Days of Future Past pretty closely, then you saw Warpath, and he's Thunderbird's brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> they do look alike. Yeah, they do look alike. Yeah, yeah it's true. But, but nobody's like, oh, man, that TV show's coming out. That has the brother of the guy that had like four <laughs> lines in that one movie I really liked. You know what I mean? It's just a tough, you know, and so we're doing the deep cuts of like the Morlocks and stuff. Like, and it's like, you know, so but the Morlocks in a TV show, that's gonna bring in like, you know, uh, 50,000 viewers, which is really exciting for me. But like, you know, Fox is like, 50,000 viewers? <laughs> I'm like, just let me say Magneto. Please let me say Magneto. So you get the idea.
0: What's been the most fun uh, episode you guys shot for the series? Oh. Uh.
4: For me, I directed the last episode, uh, and uh, I'd say, I don't know if the actors would agree with this. For me, and I, but I, I, I suspect. It was a very difficult season just because we're shooting these things in seven days, which is an absurdly short amount of time for this. So uh, everybody had a break over Christmas and New Year's, and they came back, and everyone was like, we only have seven more days? Hooray! And and then somebody got COVID, and we had one more day, but it was super fun. And uh, so, yeah, that was uh, the big big question for if, if we get another season is like, uh, how do I get the actors enough time to rest so they don't hate me? So, there you go. Thank you. Thank
2: you. And again, just as before, I want to thank Matt for hanging out and talking. Uh, and thank the people at CBS also for setting up the press junket in general. Uh, whenever we did this interview and this uh, event... They gave us access to a bunch of the episodes that aren't released yet, so we got to see kind of far down the road, which is really cool. And, uh, like I said, it was an interesting thing seeing my email attached inside of a show that way. So that was, uh, that was a new experience it's for me. It's
3: pretty brilliant, man. It's,
2: uh, it's, no, it's a really smart way to do it. I can't, like, I saw that and I was like, huh, that explains that. Awesome. Cause I kind of always wondered about that sure. a little bit. But yeah, so I think people at CBS, uh, and like like the guy said when we talked about the show, it's family-friendly, so everyone can watch it. Uh, the action scenes are done very well, and the characters are fun characters. So if you like to realize the movie, it's not, the show itself is not as over-the-top as the movie, but the movie had to do everything in two hours. So the show gets the benefit of having more time and developing the characters further. And uh, when it comes to actors, uh, Ginger does fantastic in it, too. I mean, she is absolutely great. So, yeah, I think give it a shot, guys. I mean, view-wise, I enjoyed watching it. The pilot's a little rougher than the rest, but it's fantastic. Obviously, so after that, um, we usually have Lesson of the Day. Well, I don't know did we do that. Do we do that after books? That's no, at the end. Didn't... That's at the end. This is not the end, though.
3: Well, yeah, we still have Books to Watch.
2: Actually, the Books to Watch is last. Oh. Yeah. So lesson of the Day? Yeah, Lesson of the Day. Mr. Brown, what'd you learn today?
3: um, I don't know. Uh, The email thing is 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 tripping me up. That's pretty cool. Um, I can't think of anything else.
2: What'd you learn? Man, okay, so this is a little weird. Earlier today, I must have stood in the same position. (laughs) I can't even believe it. You learned you can get vertigo? I mean, I don't... Not as like a not as like a person that has it. Sure, but I must have had my knees locked. I don't even know how long well, I was working on audio stuff and, and ordering stuff and books for the store and uh, as far as in lists of of orders. And at some point, I got kind of dizzy for a second, and I was like, "That's weird." And then I'm like, "Okay," and I kept just kept on moving. And then all of a sudden, like trouble standing, I had to sit down. I was like, "What is going on?" It was absolutely. I yeah, I felt like. When they describe vertigo, that that's what was happening. Sure. And I'm like, man, if I don't sit down soon, I'm just gonna fall down. So I mean, that was a, a pay attention to how I stand with my stooped knees. Get, yeah, yeah. My gosh,
3: we're getting older, man. I mean, it was
2: absolutely crazy. I didn't felt like anything like this in my entire life. What yeah, is no, going on? We're getting older, it happens. So I mean, that's the thing. Bend your knees, folks, and drink water. Yes, I mean, drink that's water. also a good thing. So I mean, it, yeah, that was a weird. You'd like them to be funnier, like silly things. I don't put clay in water. Cause sure, raining sure. causes problems. Um, Batman has Ghostbuster technology. Should,
3: yeah, Batman has ghost. That's a that's Man, a good lesson.
2: That's a good one. I really like
3: that
2: one. Um, <laughs> gosh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else.
3: Oh, I learned how to say our, our artist's name. That that works, right? Is Zermonico.
2: Zermonico. It is a crazy thing to see. Uh, yeah, that's
3: a cool <laughs> stuff. I looked up a, a bunch of their art, and um, there's a lot. A lot yeah. of Injustice stuff, a lot of... I don't remember the book that we did on this specific podcast, but there's um, a, a considerable amount of stuff, work they've done. So, really cool.
2: Heck yeah. Um, so then we do books to watch. Uh, do we have some video game news? Do have I some do have some video news? game news. Let's so us do re- first.
3: Regarding um, our, our, our comic book thing, I informed CBS here that TMNT The Last Ronin is getting a triple-A game. Um, they're not sure which studio is doing it quite yet. Um, that hasn't been released, but it is supposed to be sort of God of War-like, or at least that's where they got the idea from, um, so don't be surprised if that book is chasey for a while and, uh, is gonna be in high demand, um, so I, I think that's really cool. Um, second of all, if you're not playing Marvel Snap, you are not cool. Please do it. It's so (laughs) much fun. I'm trying to get CBS on it. He doesn't have the time like I do, but... Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not the biggest card guy. Sometimes I like cards. I guess I like magic a little bit, um, but it's so simple. It's a simple game. It's fun to collect these cards and it, a game c- takes like four minutes to play. So that's really, really cool. There's so many variants of different cards and, um, they're releasing new stuff all the time. It is an awesome, 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 um uh, mobile game. If you don't like mobile games, you can also get it on your PC. So, um, yeah, check, check out Marvel Snap. Hopefully fans of Marvel art cause it's, and even fans like me of DC are cause it's awesome.
2: Heck yeah, man. Well, the pictures, the, the the couple pictures you showed me before, like I don't know, now a few weeks ago, all looked really cool. There's some cool cards, so. man. Some variants
3: from um, thirty ninety nine. Oh. Um, oh man, there's so there. I can't even tell you all the variants. They have a steampunk variant. So um, that right now they're running Ant Man, or they were running Ant Man and Wasp, all in steampunk outfits, which were so cool. Um, right now they're doing their new season just came out I think like Monday and it's all about um animals so they just added Hitmonkey which is really oh, fun. Man. Yeah. yeah. So many variants of Hitmonkey and Cosmo and uh, yeah, it's 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 just a lot of fun and um those guys made like over a million dollars in like the first two days, so it's oh my it's gosh. a runaway hit, I'm sure everyone's heard about it, but it, it is so much fun I'm having a blast with it. So
2: that's awesome. Well on Cosmo we just recently got a pop also and there's a baby raccoon rocket. Pop that mm-hmm. is just adorable, mm-hmm. just adorable.
3: I'm gonna cry so hard in that movie, man. Oh I'm gonna gosh. absolutely ball.
2: Lots of reasons.
3: Lots of reasons. Yeah, of reasons. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I know. I just, I just watched the trailer, the third one. And I was like, oh man. I had to pull myself together. I know, right? It's yeah
2: it, It's gonna be, it's gonna be glorious. It's gonna be glorious. Um, Sorry, go on. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Some books to watch. I mean, I'd say so. Recently, we had Hellcat number one come out. I read that the other day. I liked it a lot. Um, about Patsy Walker and her return to the normal world after being dead and then been married to the son of Satan. And, uh, there's been a lot of stuff happening to Patsy in the last, I don't know, two years. Kind of be married to Tony Stark, sort of. Uh, so she's had an interesting path. Um, the new story is dealing with her by herself again, trying to decide whether she's murdered a man or not. And the first issue I liked a lot. Uh, there's another book which I don't know if this is for everybody, but, um, it, Oh no! Halloween. Oh no. I am so about, and it—it's about a—it's a, about a character that I mean she's been in books in the past. I can't tell you where she first showed up because I don't know. I should look that up. I guess you probably should. I really should. But her hallmark in the world has to do with magic masks and who she's connected to with Ben Riley. I mean, I liked it a lot. What's her name? Uh oh man. No, uh, you're going to make uh, me
3: do the legwork too, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. Okay, go on.
2: Uh, But yeah, the the book was pretty fun. I liked it. It had a second print come out last week, uh, her wearing the werewolf mask, so she looks like a werewolf. Um, Yeah, the whole bag is magic masks that give her different abilities. Uh, And it seems to be a never-ending bag of of magic masks. And so, so far we've seen the ghost, the werewolf. Uh, We know there's a vampire mask, and we've seen, seen a demon mask. So, as far as what those do exactly... Couldn't tell you yet,
3: Janine Godby.
2: There you go, Janine, and she's uh, yeah, she's like the uh, bad version of Mary Jane. Uh, is the easiest way to explain her because there's a lot more weirdness to try to get to an answer of that. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that book a lot too. I thought it was really great. Um, pretty, pretty big fan uh, for being such a weird thing. Uh, as far as other stuff going on, sins of sinners happening over on uh, Marvel.
3: Created by J.M. DeMattis and John Romanata Jr., God be debuted in Spider-Man The Lost Years 1995, number
2: one. There you go. Mr. Romita Jr. That's a, it's a good claim. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I, I like what's going on with that character. I think it's ridiculous and awesome. Um, it's different. It, I, yeah, it is. It's different. Uh, Since of Sinister is happening as well. That book's... Uh, it's a, it, There's three different books happening. We have... Sins of Sinister, which is two one-parts. Then we have Nightcrawlers, which uh, the book's taking place in the future, and Nightcrawler's hallmarks is that Mr. Sinister's got his hands on the DNA that builds Nightcrawler and mixes it with a bunch of other people.
3: Kurt Wagner.
2: Yes. So we get a Spider-Man uh, Nightcrawler. Nice. We get a, uh, a uh, X-23 Nightcrawler. Um, it's pretty awesome. That is cool. Uh, it's really cool. We have a... Man, it's so crazy. We have a Banshee that's also Ghost Rider that's also Nightcrawler-y. It is is wild. Um, And then we have a a spin on the Immortal X-Men. We have the... We have the Immortal X-Men dealing with uh, Emma Frost and... uh, I just a bunch of people possessed by Sinister. It's been pretty good. The thing that's cool about it is it's, it's, it's in its own series of books and not necessarily infecting every other book. Nice. So, as far as That's events, what I like. It, it's a little more contained. That's they are
3: contained, yeah.
2: So, that's really cool. Uh, something crazy happening this month, uh, through the month of April, over at DC is uh, Tom King, um, April Fool's covers. Um, if you don't know, Mr. King is a fantastic writer i uh, written a lot of books that we've reviewed on the show, and uh, a decent, actually, really really great guy, actually. Like, in life, uh, he helped uh, one of the guys who's been on the podcast before, Joel, um proposed to his fiancée lady several years ago. Um, so, I mean, the dude's a, he's a cool dude. But when it comes to art, either he's a fantastic artist who just knows how to be terrible, or he really is just god-awful as a drawler. <laughs> Just got awful.
3: Is um, what, what is it, Detective or is it Batman? Well,
2: there's 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 five different ones. Oh, and they're all his? So far, yes. Oh man. So far the ones that are out is Batman, uh the joke, Joker, the man who quit laughing, and next week Danger Street comes out. Uh, so time in the world, that stamps us pretty good. But they are just
3: stick figures.
2: They are rough. They are uh, <laughs> Mr. King has got a yeah, there's a thing going on there, and I'm not, not sure how I feel about it. But, uh, anyway, so those guys are happening. It's, it's neat. It's quirky. It's weird. Sure. Uh, it's, it's a thing that's happening. Um, yeah, as far as books, we're getting ready to have a green, new Green Arrow series come out. And I'm pretty stoked for that too, cause the guy's doing the art for it, um, has done other books in the past that I've liked. And so I'm pretty, pretty into that idea cause we haven't had a proper Green Arrow book. yeah. Um, I go. don't know, like five years how maybe. So, yeah. so it's been a minute. So if you're a fan of Oliver at all, um, I think that one will be a good one to check out. And being it's just starting a brand new run of things, uh, I say get on it only because I've seen test pages and the, the art is good. So, but yeah, that's that's what I got. I mean, there's other stuff in the works, but I... Bleh.
3: Nothing I can think of.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, we covered a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... it's yeah. Again, sorry. It's like my. It's like I talked all week. Nah, it's, it's freaking terrible. <laughs> so bad. I mean, I did. I did do an episode of The Men Who Were Bad in Spandex last night uh, with my buddy Max over at ninety three point one. So if you guys haven't checked that out, gosh, I should say that earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Then you should check that out too. Uh, it's another fun show, and Max is a great guy. So uh, you should check that out. Uh, if you haven't listened to our other sister podcast and the, the, uh, the Never Been Done podcast. Uh, it's been a minute for episodes there, too, but we're dealing with the same people, same problems, same things. So, you know, if you want a little more uh, R-rated... Spicier. Spicier, there spicier. you go. Spicier, spicier. there you Spicier. A little more spicy stuff. Check that out. Um, our buddies at the uh, Scovillionaires on YouTube, uh, if you like spicy things, man, that's a good segue. But Ooh, dang, it's guys, almost like a to clam. Way to go, way to go. Wow. Uh, they have videos coming out um, pretty regular. Um,
3: they just they- had one up last... Uh- Two days ago. So I did.
2: Yeah. And I actually went up... I was out in San Diego... Or out in uh, Anaheim. I went finding a, hot, finding a hot sauce out there for them. So at some point, we'll be getting a review from that particular Cthulhu-flavored style Ooh. hot sauce. So we'll see what the boys say uh, as a thing.
3: Yeah, check out Scoville They have great stuff over there. Connor and Tyler are awesome, awesome, awesome dudes.
2: Yeah, fun stuff. If you like hot sauce, I mean, they can give you recommendations... And that uh, the the reviews will tell you about the the sauces and stuff too. So if there's one you're not sure about, see if they have one, and they can try to I don't know tell you things.
3: I think their Christmas ones like got like three million hits already. It's
2: it's pretty popular. Yeah, it's one.
3: really popular. Yeah.
2: And it's uh they're they're the bomb. One has a bomb Ooh, too. Oh man, the
3: bomb. That's it's bad stuff. Just oh, I'm not a hot sauce person. Oh, man. it's bad. It's not my. I've done it. It's bad. Not my thing. I'm not doing it.
2: Anyway, um. Oh, and there's a new trailer for Shin Kamen Rider. So if you know, don't know, you should really know, because it's awesome. If you saw Shin Godzilla, similar concept except Kamen Rider. So, you know.
3: There you go. You lost me at shit.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got to <laughs> see Godzilla. Uh, Takee. Takee. Takee.